0: Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program with the African Sisters Media Network. And I'm back after about a month and a half off. And um, yeah, we're really happy to um, be uh, interviewing um, Ms. Pamela Price again, uh, Esquire. And if you remember our wonderful conversation last, I'm trying to think, was that, was it August 30th? that we we spoke, not August thirty excuse me, except July, okay. yes. July, okay. July, yes, yeah, in yeah. a minute. <laughs> and um, and there are a whole lot of things that are happening that, you know, we definitely want to make sure that people are up to speed on. So for those who, who missed that wonderful conversation, which is um, uh, one of the stories in the August uh, San Francisco Bayview, you can read the interview there or you can listen to it here in the archives. Uh, Civil rights attorney Pamela Price survived the Ohio foster care and juvenile justice systems to graduate from Yale College and UC Berkeley School of Law. She has spent her entire legal career fighting for justice on behalf of women, workers, low-income people, and communities of color, even arguing before the United States Supreme Court. Uh, Pamela Price has the values, commitment, and experience to achieve true justice in Alameda County. And um as you know, she is running for district attorney uh here in Alameda County and she is our resident. <laughs> After two visits, right. She is our resident <laughs> legal scholar. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah, and she is um gonna be we're gonna be talking today about a lot of things. Uh, we might not get to all of them, but you know, kind of ambitious. Um you know um the anniversary of um uh the day that um the twin Towers fell and the Pentagon was bombed and gosh, um we went into this war that seemed like it was never gonna end um September eleventh that's this month um we also just had uh an assembly uh seat runoff um the uh, uh the the voting uh, election uh, runoff closed yesterday, um, August 31st. Um, we have a recall of uh, Governor um, Gavin Newsom, which um, that particular ballot needs to be in by the 13th. And, and we, um, those of us that are speaking, I'm speaking right now, we're saying, like, vote no. Don't worry about the other people. We don't know them Um <laughs> Vote no, and so we're going to talk about that. Ah, uh, gosh, what else is going on? Ah, uh, we got black labor. You know, labor there is coming up, and and we can't talk enough about black labor. You know, it built this country. Um, we've got a reparations task force here in California. <clears throat> we've got the federal HR forty. Um, our guest has a birthday coming up, and she's going to have a party. Like, oh man. John Coltrane was born this month. Um, uh, George Jackson was born this month. Um, Yeah, yeah, and this month actually uh, precedes um, October, which is the um, birth month of the Black Panther Party. It is also a month where we uh, call the names of those people that were killed by police. Uh, They have the stolen lives. We've got California wildfires still burning up stuff oh my goodness, um, we've got, this is the year of the political prisoner, um, and next month there is going to be a tribunal, uh, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, hmm, hmm, um, oh, I don't know, we've got COVID-19 still raging, uh, a lot of kids are getting infected, California is um, is not doing as poorly as other states, but um There's a lot going on there. So, um, Ms. Price, (laughs) Um, where do you want to start? Perhaps we can start with um, your introduction and um, talk a little bit about this provocative statement. You survived the Ohio foster care and juvenile justice systems to graduate from Yale College and UC Berkeley School of Law. And then we'll just mosey on down to your birthday party and your campaign and how it's going, and then we'll talk about black labor and see how much time that takes, because I know you only have half an hour.
1: <laughs> sure, Wanda. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is very ambitious. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> and yes, we can start with the beginning of the story, which for me was surviving the Ohio Juvenile Justice And foster care system you see I got arrested in a civil rights demonstration when I was 13 and at that point I was already a ward of the court what they call in Ohio a ward of the court so getting arrested as a ward of the court which means basically I was in the foster care system I was in the custody of a foster mom who was wonderful Alice Aaron who was an activist in her own right I'm very very supportive of the movement but she was not happy when I got arrested on her watch okay that did not make her look good and the authorities were not pleased about that and so you know there was definitely some consequences for me for her for the whole family that I was living with around that but we survived I um, had to go through the juvenile court system, and I walked away from foster care when I was 16 because, as I tell people, I felt like I could do bad by myself, and I could, and I didn't need, uh, you know, Child Protective Services or these folks uh, who did not seem to have my best interests at heart. I did not need them helping me out, so I got away from those folks. I think they're probably still looking for me. (laughs) But because of my foster moms, they three women kept their hands on me, Amy Jenkins, Lorena O'Donnell, and Alice Aaron. And I always give them credit because they saw something in me. They wouldn't let me throw my life away. And I tell people never give up on a kid because you don't know where that child is going to go or what they're able to accomplish in life. And that's, you know, one of the tenets. That I will follow when I'm thinking about and, and living with juvenile justice in the criminal justice system is that we can't throw kids away.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, we can't throw children away. That is, yeah, that's 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 something that you know we need to think about more often. Um, you know, how can we throw away a child? I mean, just the idea of that is so
1: horrific. Well, that's what we do in our juvenile justice systems and mm-hmm. in the foster care system. Often, you know, I felt like I know I was a throwaway kid. Nobody expected mm-hmm. me to do anything, and I barely managed to hi- graduate from high school. And I'm guided by the the quote that comes from Brian Stevenson's book Just Mercy, where he says that none of us want to be judged by the worst thing we've ever done in our lives. And for many of us, the worst thing we've ever done in our lives, we did before we were 18. And we also know that now through the neuroscience that young people's brains are still developing up until age 25. I mean, if you raised a kid, you know at 18, that's just a number, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But in our criminal justice system, we act like 18 is, you know, that's when we get to lock you up if you make a bad mistake. And so we've got to work through uh, a much more progressive view of justice, juvenile justice and criminal justice.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have you on when you have more time to talk about um the foster care system um California. I don't know if any state has a great one. Um I don't hear great ones about us about our foster care system. Um, no. Maybe you have some no. good news.
2: No. <laughs> okay.
1: No, I don't. I will share with you at at one point in my life I took in my two grandsons from who were um, both parents were incarcerated in Wisconsin. And um, my then husband and I made a decision that we would take the two boys. And so we did. And, I mean, literally, we <laughs> somebody flew into Wisconsin and brought them back to California. And it was they were with me for almost four years. And then I sent them back to their father, and it was six months before the Alameda County foster care system realized that the boys were gone. I got a call six months after I sent them back to their father asking me, you know, to have a home visit, (laughs) and I was able to let them know, no, no, those children are gone. So for six months they were not on anybody's radar.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I know. Um, a lot of times, families don't get the resources to be able to take care of, um, you know, the children in their family that um, need a, you know, safe and stable living uh,
1: exactly
0: environment. Exactly. Um, and a lot of times, you know, families wanna take care of of their their, you know, children, relative children. However. Sometimes they just don't have the resources Exactly um, But strangers get all kind of money But family gets nothing
1: Right, exactly I mean, we were in a mm-hmm. position that we could Take them and take care of them And not be accountable to these folks You know, which obviously from my background I was not trying to have them in my life um, But you're absolutely right If we had not had the financial means or the stability to provide them. And that's what became clear, was that we were the ones in all Mm -hmm. the family, (laughs) all the family, we were the ones that had the ability to take those boys. And so we did. But everybody's Mm -hmm. not able.
0: Yeah, yeah, that happened to me too. I um, had custody of my, uh, my, my nephew. He was abandoned by my sister here um mm-hmm. in, in Alameda County and mm-hmm. I couldn't get anything, couldn't get any kind of I mean, it took forever to get medical, um never got, you know, psychological. Um right. oh my goodness. I mean there was just no support.
2: None. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and then and then when and then when he left because he didn't like, you know, my rules mm-hmm. the place where he went was horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got all kind of money, took them out of all the programs that I had put him in, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, All kind of great programs, right. you know, with black male yeah. role models and, mm-hmm. you know, all kind of good programs we had. Because we have a lot of good programs in Alameda County. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we moved from all of those. And, uh, yeah, he ended up getting a, a conviction from the associations that he made there. I mean, he's doing okay now, but... Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. the lack of family support. Trust me, it's it it is outrageous. And too mm-hmm. often, our our kids end up in the criminal justice system because we're not we don't have a good safety net to support the families and mm-hmm. efforts of families. And I'm we have to come back and talk about mental health issues because we see that same pattern where you have folks that are either severely mentally uh ill or suffering from some type of addiction or mental health crisis, and the family is the one that's bearing the burden and they're not getting the support. Mhm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we you know, we can you know, the Richter scale sort of moves from, you know, <clears throat> anger.
3: <laughs> you mm-hmm. know?
0: Anger yeah. can be debilitating. Um yeah. to to other types of um of uh, mental health you know issues that you know require medication, perhaps, or you know um more um supervision mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. some of this stuff is preventable, I mean you know you take away certain kinds of resources like housing you know from a person and 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 that within itself creates
1: a mental health crisis.
0: You know, all of a sudden, you have nothing. -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. You're so right. The anger, particularly our children, are susceptible to that, to seeing Mm -hmm. things that are wrong that they don't understand, that they become angry. And, again, I go back to my experience as a foster kid and being in the juvenile justice system. I was angry at the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., just livid. And that Mm -hmm. took me on a different path.
0: Mm. yeah yeah <clears throat> well, the time is ticking away <clears throat> <laughs> <Yes>. so uh, <laughs> on a happier note, you got a birthday coming up i hear
1: i do I do <laughs> I'm excited. I have a birthday coming up i thank God I'm still here. <laughs> It's a miracle (laughs) So yes September 25th We're going to have a birthday party Um, And it's You know we're acknowledging That uh, The ancestors and the Lord Has brought me this far And and that there's still more to come So yes Mm -hmm. save the date September 25th we're going to get it On the wire we're Have a host committee in formation And uh you know we're gonna have a, a it'll be re- virtual because of the pandemic. We acknowledge that this is a problem, and that so many people, particularly Black and Brown people, are very very vulnerable, and we have to be mindful of it. So we we're adjusting to the times.
0: Okay, <clears throat> so we need to stay tuned. So should people just um, follow your website, uh, Pamela Price? Yeah. 4DA, you can follow
1: us. On, yes, Mhm. You can follow follow us on the website. You can follow us at uh Facebook, TikTok, Instagram and Twitter.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> All of that. All
1: right.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay, so what do you want for your birthday?
1: What do I want for my birthday? Peace of mind. The world is so troubling. I'm 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 troubled and weighed down by, you know, what's happening in Louisiana, concerned about the million people that are there without power. I'm concerned about the refugees or not even the refugees, the indigenous people of Afghanistan that are caught in the middle of a political, you know, upheaval. Um, I'm concerned about still being, you know, very seriously impacted by this covid 19 and variant and pandemic um so we got a lot going on and in these times it's as i survey the things and and doing what i'm doing and recognizing feeling helpless about a lot of things that i can't you know i'm looking at what's happening in texas things that we can't influence and so i think for me if I can get to my birthday with peace of mind I'll be fine.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm looking forward to your your birthday. Looking forward to um continuing, you know, to support your um your run for Alameda County District Attorney office. Thank and you. And speaking Thank of which, so um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People should put some money at it, you know, like it's nice to support, but you need money. So people should go and. Yeah, for
1: my birthday you can make a contribution, (laughs) (laughs) contribution (laughs) to the campaign. Because that's, I'm going to segue us right on into the State Assembly runoff because that's what we find. For elections are won by money and name recognition, bottom Mm. line. Uh, We had two very qualified candidates for running for state assembly, and the one who won had the most money and the most name recognition. And that's unfortunately how our political system is structured. And so as I'm running for DA, I'm recognizing I have to raise the money, and I've got to have name recognition.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah. So
1: Mia Bonta won? Mia Bonta won last night. The numbers are not final yet, but uh, it's she has a significant lead, and mm. the likelihood is that she will win the seat. Mm. And, right. And, um, you know, okay. she had all of the money.
0: <laughs> that, she had a uh, lot of money. Oh, my she goodness. She had
1: a lot of money. I got ten mailers. No, ten mailers. And each mailer, depending on the universe that you, of people who you mail to, each mailer could easily cost you thirty to $35,000. So mm. 10 mailers mm. means, you know, we're looking at least, the numbers will be public eventually. They're not yet public, but at least $350,000 was spent on mail. hmm yeah, I, I got lots, and they were in color,
0: too. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, and dif- yeah. all kind of different pieces. And then you add that to the budget for television. I mean, people were telling me they saw the, you know, you could see our television ads during the Olympics. <laughs> uh, oh. Full-page newspaper ads, I saw those. Um, a lot, a lot of money was spent. On this election, at one point I really felt like, wow, if we had, you know, this much money, 700000 a million dollars spent on helping the homeless people in Alameda County, that mm-hmm. would be great. You know, that really would be a yeah. great investment, but that's not what we do in our political world. So it's money and name recognition is what wins elections still.
0: Mm, hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was really sad. And, and people don't do their research. It's um, it's basically, um, you know, advertisements. That's how people mm-hmm. vote. They don't yes. try mm-hmm. to figure out who's behind the ads. They're just like, no. I see this a lot, this must be good. Or I see this a lot, let me vote yes. Or let me p- right. fill in this little bubble.
1: Right. I see this person's picture with this other person's picture. Oh, well, I'll Mm -hmm. vote for that person.
0: (laughs) Right, right, (laughs)
2: exactly. No research
1: at all. Yeah, it's a big marketing Mm -hmm. um, endeavor, and it just costs money. If you have a lot of money, you can market, you can send out flyer after flyer after flyer after flyer, and you're right, people don't have time to research, and they say, oh, well, you know, I'm getting all of these mailers, and I don't know who this other person is. She didn't send me a mailer, so I must be supposed to vote for this one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, that election is over, and now we have a bigger challenge ahead of us, very important challenge, um, which is the recall. And Mm -hmm. that election may also turn on who spends the most money. Although it's interesting to me in Alameda County, I don't. It does not appear, and maybe because I'm in the 18th Assembly District, but it certainly doesn't appear that the Democratic Party or the Governor is spending a lot of money on this election. I just saw my first television ad um, just in the last week. Um, I haven't gotten anything in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh so it would appear that the Democrats are just starting to rev up, certainly in Alameda County. there's been a focus on the eighty eighteen race, so we're just starting to get engaged in the um in the governor's in the recall. But the last day to register to vote by mail in the recall was actually Monday, and oh no um, oh yeah, no. it was. But you can still register and vote um conditionally
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh at the county um you have to go to the elections office now um mm-hmm. and you can register on the day of but it's you know provisional, what we used mm-hmm. to call provisional they're calling conditionally, and if you <laughs> have a vote, everybody who uh, was registered received a vote by mail ballot. And so that ballot has to be, um, it, and if you didn't receive one, but you are registered, you can request a vote-by-mail ballot up until next Tuesday. It has to be done within this next week. You can um, send in a request to the registrar voters. Otherwise, you have to go down to the registrar voters and register, and then ballots that were received in the mail have to be postmarked By next by the 14th so we have 13 days in which to get everyone to to return their ballot in order to Mm -hmm. prevent the Republicans from essentially taking control of the California economy and the California government and as we see across the country Republicans have done a very good job of targeting states um, and taking control and we see The outcome in Texas where, you know, the Texas legislatures, the Democratic legislatures keep having to leave town (laughs) to stop the Republican-controlled legislature from passing uh, voter restriction laws um, as well as birth control laws. They're changing the face of Texas because they control that legislature. And so often that has been the Republican game plan, is not to focus on the national offices, although they held the national office. They focused on the states, and they've been doing that for at least a decade. And so California is the latest target where they have funded. Now, they have spent a huge amount of money to fund the recall effort. And if if the recall passes, then California is basically going to become under the reign of the Republican Party, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, less than 20% of the people in this state are Republican voters, but they will control California. So we're asking people to vote no on the recall and to be sure to get that ballot in because anything less will subject the whole state to chaos. Mm
0: hmm yeah yeah because they um uh yesterday um i was at a um california uh state teachers um, um phone call um meeting and uh and the governor was one of the special guests along with the um uh the physician who's over um health uh she's mm-hmm. out of san francisco uh mm-hmm. i don't remember her name um but she she uh, gave some really good information. Um, and he was talking, uh, the governor uh, was talking about what the Republicans say are going to be their first order of business. They're going to, you know, they're going to remove the masking um, uh, ordinance that, you know, you have to use, have masks inside businesses. They're going to, that's going to be one of their first things they're going to change, as well as as well as, um, I believe, um, something to do with abortion. I mean, they're just going to just go down the list and just change and, you know, sort of reverse a lot of legislation.
1: Yeah, and he can, if the leading person is a person named Larry Elder, because he has name recognition within the group of people that know him, um he believes that sexism doesn't exist. He doesn't believe that racism exists. He doesn't believe that police um misconduct exists. Um he has made uh crazy comments about women, domestic violence. He thinks that's exaggerated. He thinks police brutality is exaggerated. Um he does not believe in the minimum wage, and he has the ability to sign on day one executive orders that um, abolish the minimum wage, that abolish uh, laws to protect women, and it's um, a very real problem. I mean, we will, obviously there will be legal challenges. But the whole state will be in turmoil if this person is elected. And I have really no I, no explanation how he became the front-runner other than money and name recognition is what wins elections. Hmm. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> and so it's so important what we're saying is that you can't vote no and then vote on one of these people. You have to just vote no. We have to just straight you know, defeat the recall so that this, none of these other folks have an opportunity to get in there. Right. Larry Elder also thinks racism is exaggerated. I mean, this man is a dangerous person in terms of his thinking, and he doesn't represent the views of Californians. Mm-hmm. He said he does not believe that, um, you know, in trying to reduce the footprint of incarceration in this state, and he's already said he will target all progressive prosecutors, such as George Gascon and Chase Boudin. Mm-hmm. And since I'm going to be the next district attorney of Alameda County, I guess I'll be on that list as well if he wins. And and the challenge is once he if he were to win, if any of these people were to win, once you become the incumbent, you then have the power to use the resources of the state to further um become entrenched in the position. And I, I have no doubt that we would be able to defeat him in the June twenty twenty two primary, which again will the the There will be a primary in June of twenty twenty two in which we will elect another governor. We will elect hopefully we will re elect Governor Newsom, but we will not hopefully we will not have to defeat someone like Larry Elder or some other person that is really out of step with the values and the vote the voters of this state. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, well, I certainly hope um, people go out and, you know, and vote no because it's so confusing with all of those other names on the back of the ballot. Um, yes. That people don't know what to do with it, and like you said, right. there's no guidance um, right. anywhere.
2: <laughs> like,
0: yeah. you yeah. know, like until right now, and it might be, you know, a lot of people have already voted. Yes, um, exactly.
1: M- yeah, I mean, we got a like late a think- start.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and and I, it doesn't make sense why um you know these people like who could do something uh like you know Gavin's machine you know they're they're not rookies
1: right <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what happened, other than I know in 88, there was a huge distraction uh, with our senior officials trying to make sure that um, that Assembly District 18 seat was preserved in a particular way. Um, so maybe we're just not getting the bulk of the attention. Maybe they We're focusing on other places (laughs) around the state, but you're absolutely right. In Assembly District 18, the Democrats are getting a very, very late start, and many people have already voted. The ballots were out, you know, two weeks ago. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I I wanted you know, I I know they start counting, and I wanted to be in those numbers. Well, the early voting is da-da-da, because I called you. (laughs) Like, what do Mm -hmm. I do? (laughs) And it was sitting, my ballot was sitting by the front door, you know, not sealed yet, waiting Mm -hmm. for your response. Okay, don't vote for any. I'm like, okay, so I passed it on to my little family. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's like, that's five people. That's not a lot of people.
3: And then when you sent that
0: really Mm -hmm. wonderful um, uh, email about yesterday's uh, assembly um, runoff, I, I forwarded that to my people those good, who had good, called me, because um, yeah. that was really, really informative. However, mm-hmm. you know, that's just like, that's not a lot of people. I hadn't yeah. even watched to see who won. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just hoping, right. you know, yeah. that it wasn't the Bonta machine, like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. we got a little machine happening now.
1: Oh, we have a big machine happening in Alameda County. (laughs) If you (laughs) you start to take stock of it, you will see. And and that's the power of incumbency. Rob Bunter was in that seat for 12 years, 10 years. And so he had the opportunity to to create, you know, a network of folks that are now, um, you know, supporting his wife, who will hold the seat as the incumbent probably for the next 12 years.
0: 12 years? That
1: long? Yeah. That's long. It is long. It's very long. It's very long. As the incumbent, she will not be challenged by a Democratic person, and there are very few Republicans, you know, not enough Republicans in Alameda County to support a challenge, a viable challenge, but... Uh, once you're elected, she has the right to hold the seat for 12 years, and she will receive the support of the Democratic, um, you know, party for the next 12 years.
0: Wow. Wow. Wow, That's I didn't
1: why know it was going to be for so long. We people to turn out the vote. <laughs> we told people, I told people, turn out the vote. Whoever wins this seat will hold this seat for 12 years. Hmm.
0: Dang that's really, really long, yeah, wow, yeah, Because um, i I didn't vote for her, um um, I voted for the other um candidate, um yeah, wow,
1: oh yeah. man, well, Janani Ramachandran ran a great campaign, she obviously touched the hearts and the minds of many people in. Assembly District 18 and beyond. Um, you know, she ran a, a good race, but the um, you know the the voters have spoken. Mia Bonta is now <laughs> will be the assembly person for the next 12 years. <laughs> when you think about it, that is a long time, and it's you know it's it's uh, it it. I don't know if it speaks well for our district. We will see. She says yeah, she's going to yeah. do a lot of things, so we will see. Hopefully as as the voices of those who are concerned about moving the district forward will be heard um and you know she will be able to pull people together who may not have supported her but who are you know very concerned about the issues of the day. I know I heard a lot of comments about criminal justice reform. Uh Janani endorsed me early as the next district attorney and hopefully um, at some point Mia Banta will, you know, get involved in those issues as well in our district, which are very um, very, very challenging when you look at the many of the problems that we face in Alameda County with respect to over policing and over criminalization and gun violence these things are happening in a lot in the 18th assembly district and i'm hoping that as a as a responsible representative of those of us who live here that she will get involved in those issues and and really have a positive influence on on the conversation as well as helping with some legislation that we need for sure um, Rob Bonta carried um, the first bail reform legislation at the urging of progressives. Um, a lot of us who urged him to do that back in, oh, I think it was 2017, we asked him to do that. And so hopefully Mia Bonta will be a partner in that and will listen to the voices of those who are most impacted, which is What led to the defeat of SB 10 at the ballot was that so many of the issues that were implicit, you have to be very mindful when you're bringing in a new reform that you're not creating a bigger problem. And I think the legislature got to be tone deaf on that question, Um, but hopefully she will be um, able to hear those kinds of uh, criticisms and and respond to them appropriately.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And people need to realize that even if, um, you know, your candidate didn't win, that doesn't mean that you need to throw in a towel. No, you need to, you know, let the representative know that they work for us. It doesn't matter who voted them
1: Exactly, right. And and when we look at, you know, one of the challenges that uh, I think politicians need to recognize when you win an election where less than 20% of the people vote, you still have to represent the other 80%. Mhm. So right now for this race, we're sitting at a less than at 16% of the people voted. Sixteen percent of, you know, our registered, we have over almost 300,000 people registered to vote in uh, the 18th Assembly District, and only uh, less than 50,000 people have actually voted. So we expect that number will go up, but it's still 80% of the people did not vote in this election. So, but those people are part of, that we live here. So, you know, you got to represent all of the electric, not just the people who voted for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are out of time. Um, so do you have a few moments to talk about black labor? And sure. anything coming up for Labor Day that we should know about? And um want to let our audience know that we're speaking to... Um, is Pamela price, who is uh uh running for district attorney for the county of alameda and so you need to go to her website um pamela price for the number four d a dot com and read all about her and see how you can get involved because as we're talking about this uh you know the assembly uh runoff that just c- concluded and the uh, recall for the governor of California um, involvement um, is how we, we shape electoral results so we can't just sit back and just let stuff just move
1: because <laughs> it might move in a direction you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And our issues need to be brought to the forefront when we're looking at um, well, we we have to come back to some of the issues that will are facing us in Alameda County now that we have a Black Latina representative in the State Assembly, and how what difference will that make to us on the ground? I think that's where we I'd like to put a pin in that conversation and spend mm-hmm. yes the last few minutes talking about Black labor. We're coming up on Labor Day. And labor unions have been have have had a conflicted history in in our country and and in Alameda county as well, we know that having uh labor unions is a huge uh foundation for progressive and economic um, advancement for many people i as an employment lawyer, I hear so many horror stories of people every day who are being challenged in their employment and being treated unfairly. And when it's not illegal, it doesn't violate the, the, um, the, lay, the disc- anti-discrimination laws, I have to tell them, do you have a union? Because that's who is supposed to fight for you. Unions set the standard for fairness in any employee. in any employment context. And so you have to have an MOU or a, a collective bargaining agreement that provides for fairness for workers, that provides for a living wage for workers. And so we as a country have really benefited from the labor movement. And black folks have been at the heart of that. And not, sometimes there's been conflicts, yes, because not all the time does do the labor unions in some places and some circumstances, labor unions have, in fact, been part of the problem, have excluded black folks. And that's why we do have and have had uh, black organizers and black um, folks, black trade unionists and uh, in our area. We've been blessed to have one of the largest working class unions that have impacted this region and have been predominantly black and brown, and that's the ILWU, uh, International Laborers um, and Longshoremen and Warehousemen Union, has been a major force in this area for um, holding down the economic opportunities available to black folks traditionally and still today. Um, the... Um, LaUNA, Labor Union, is predominantly in this area. is predominantly Latinx. And so they've been a huge driver of economic opportunity for brown and black folks. And so we want to celebrate labor across the board. And in particular, we want to honor the, the role that black workers have played in making labor not only stronger, but making it more responsive to the needs of uh, racial minorities in this country, because our voices have needed to be heard in the labor movement, and we have been heard in the labor movement. So it's a great time to celebrate labor Um, coming up on Labor Day this weekend, to remember uh, the value and the strength of labor and the power of labor unions and organizing, because often um, folks, workers that were not organized, were just exploited until the labor movement became strong. And the labor movement has always been made stronger by black workers.
0: Hmm. Yes. Yes. Wow. This has been such a wonderful, wonderful conversation, and thank you so much for the extra, extra, you know, ten minutes or so. Um, of course. And uh, look, looking forward to um, to your party on September 25th. Uh, again, folks need to go to your website, Pamela Price, numero 4 dacom to. Um, to find out more about about your work. And, again, you know, all of the social media handles have your um, Pamela Price for da So you can, you know, sign up on Twitter and all those other places, Facebook, yeah. TikTok,
1: yeah. and Instagram. Um, Most of the, Instagram. the social media says <laughs> Pamela Price Cares. If you Google Pamela Price Cares, you will find me. And we adopted that years ago because I really care about this community and I care about the people I represent and I care about the folks who are listening to you. And together, Wanda, we are going to make a huge difference and a step forward for Alameda County. So thank you for having me, and I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the light that you're shining in places where we need more light. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome. Have a good rest of the day.
1: Please okay. Listen. You too, sweetie. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> bye bye. You're
0: welcome. Bye. Uh, so again, um, stop the Republican recall vote no September fourteenth or sooner. And I was just trying to figure out what am I going to uh what am I going to play? Um <laughs> uh for the few minutes we have before um before our next guest joins us and I was thinking hmm like do I play something about the Black Panther party and then I was thinking ah Black Panther um you know the um the movie and I don't know if you all remember that I had um um I had a series of conversations, um with folks about about the Black Panther um film and one of those uh conversations was with uh Tomei, S. Pearl and Josh. And so anyway, I'm gonna, gonna play a little bit of that. I was thinking about playing oh man, I got so much, that was great. <laughs> that that um could 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 be a, something nice to play, but I want to um I need to start Oh, and I was also thinking about an interview with Judy Juanita, um, about her um her book which uh sort of looks at the Black Panther Party um from a a female perspective. Oh, well, you know, that might be a good idea. Hmm. Let's see. I don't know. Um maybe I'll maybe we'll do Judy Juanita. Um <laughs> let's see. Um I just don't know. Um, Yeah, uh, Virgin Soul, that was back in 2013 that we spoke. So, um, and the time is ticking away, and now we only have 10 minutes. Hmm. I need to decide. God, we have some, I could uh, write, I could play something from Clarence Jones, who was Dr. King's. Attorney and uh, smuggled out that letter from the Birmingham Jail. <laughs> I need to play something. Oh, and then we got Laura Elaine Ellis, and she was she had this really great. Um, um, we had a great conversation about Soul the Soul, which was a piece that she um, uh, co-curated. Um, that was really really a good program too. Hmm. So I think I'm gonna go with uh, Judy Juanita, just because I need to do something. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's. Hopefully, um, there'll be enough here for you to sort of whet your your appetite, and you could go back in the archives and listen to the rest of it again. That was April nineteenth, um, twenty thirteen, that I spoke to Judy Juanita. So, Ms. Judy Juanita, congratulations on your first novel, Virgin Soul. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know how you do it all. I mean, you write plays, and they've been produced here in the Bay Area, as well as in New York City, and you write poetry, and you had short fiction, but this is your first novel.
4: Yes, yes, but everything one at a time.
0: (laughs) Right, right, and then you're a teacher. Oh, my goodness, how do you do that? You've been teaching at Laney College, those lucky students.
4: Yes, 20 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, you keep your day, you keep that gig going, I think because you probably love passing it on, huh?
4: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And also I love eating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on now. Uh, With all the publishing that you've done, you know, novels, plays, et cetera.
4: Very little money coming in um, up until the advance for the novel.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah,
4: no. There, it was not a money arrangement at all. Uh, <laughs> all the plays, playwriting definitely hmm. takes a lot of, really a lot of money to get a put a play up. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. And poetry is free as any poet knows. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but then the novelist, oh my goodness. Yeah. So you're going to be um being nominated, I'm sure, for the uh the Bay Area um uh Literary Awards that happens um in April uh by the uh the Book Reviewers Association.
4: Well, that would be for last year's books. So Maybe it would help No, no,
0: no, I meant no I meant for this coming year, the fourteen, two thousand fourteen. That's what I'm talking right. about. Yeah, the right. your book. Um, is uh, hitting the streets, um, when, next week? Today. Oh, April today. Oh, yes, that's right.
4: That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. April eighteenth.
4: Available in bookstores everywhere.
0: Yeah, and folks are gonna be able to hear you read from your book and talk about it at Books Inc. tomorrow evening in Alameda at seven o'clock. Yes. Friday, April nineteenth. Yes. Yeah, and then you'll be in you'll be in um, you know, Earth Day, the twentieth, you'll be in Los Angeles at the Festival of Books. That sounds fun. Right. well' 20th
4: and the 21st Festival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And you were back
4: up here in Berkeley and San Francisco and Oakland, a couple so of a places. Big, uh, a big book signing on May 4th
2: mm-hmm.
4: at 2 p.m. That's Saturday, May 4th at the um, 57th Chemistry Gallery. gallery. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So are you going to have some music too?
4: Um, Not really, Um there may be someone playing a little bit, but we're going to have a panel discussion
0: oh.
4: with uh, some friends of mine who were Panthers and we were Panthers together.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay. Oh, who's going to be on the panel with you? Uh,
4: the real Clarence Thomas. Do you know? Do you know mm-hmm. the real Clarence Thomas? Yeah,
0: Clarence Thomas. Yeah, he's a yes. union organizer.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Clarence Thomas and I were husband and wife for many years. Oh. Yeah, and okay. we have a beautiful son together, so he's going to be there. Okay. And Benny, Benny Stewart, who was a, one of the co-founders and presidents of the Black Student Union, and he's also a community organizer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Janice Garrett-Forte, who was my my roommate and is still my very good friend, and she was Bobby Seale's original assistant and scheduler.
0: Wow. Wow. Yes. Hmm. And some
4: others. And they would, you know, they would be there. So oh, this it ought to be very now. interesting, very lively.
0: Oh, certainly, certainly. So that's 2 o'clock on um, Saturday, um, May 4th yes. at the 57th Street Gallery, which is on 57th and Telegraph yeah. in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're going to be, in June, you're going to be at the Peralta Hacienda Historical Park. That's yes. at 2 o'clock as well, Saturday, June 2nd. And my daughter and I are part of the current exhibit there, Oakland telling oh, Their yes. Stories. Oh, Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. interesting. That should be nice. That's a wonderful, um, wonderful space for um, Holly Alonso and her. Incredible. Her folks have kept going in these slim economic times for arts organizations. Right. hmm Wow. So you answered a couple of my questions, and you're telling me about the uh, the, the big panel, because I was wondering, how do you know all these things? How does your character, you know, you're Janice's girl, how does she know all this? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, like. like I mean, there there are places your imagination can go, and there's a whole lot of research you can do. But Janice is certainly an insider.
4: (laughs) Yes. I I read a review, a blog review, which was very wonderful. Mm -hmm. And Mm then he said, the only thing is uh, the author inserts herself in these scenes with... Eldridge Cleaver and Huey Newton, and that's that's a witness of the story. Uh, and otherwise, it was really glowing, and I just laughed to myself, you know, because I wanted to say, dude, I was there.
2: Mm-hmm. I wow. was
4: editor-in-chief wow. of the party newspaper for a time. I was appointed by Huey Newton. I, I did know Huey Newton at Oakland City College, mm-hmm. you know, but – this is a time to make that clear then. <laughs>
0: wow, wow. I what, did. Yeah. Sort of Go ahead. There.
4: Keep on going. <laughs> and I did meet. Um I was I did meet Huey and Bobby at Oakland City College, mm-hmm. which was its name uh, before it was Merritt College and before it was the Grove Street campus. Mhm. And I entered college at 16, which, you know, as a teacher at Laney, I mean, at, uh, at College of Alameda, mm-hmm. we have many students who come at a, at a very early age. Either they're coming through advanced placement or the schools are just sending them there. But mm-hmm. I graduated from high school at 16 and enrolled at Oakland City right away. Mm-hmm. Wow. Met, met Huey there. Uh, I was not a radical during my first two years there, I was strictly concentrating on getting out, mm-hmm. but I loved watching and listening to the radicals. It was purely entertainment. We, we left class. We we went to class. After class, we went back out on the front lawn on what was then Grove Street,
3: mm-hmm. listened
4: to all of the soapbox orators go on and on and on and it was really just laughs for us at that time. I didn't know I was imbibing radicalism. Um, we were just fascinated. They were smart. They could talk a mile a minute. Um, they were older. We respected them. They were they were geniuses. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Ernest Allen. He we called him Ernie Allen. And he's a professor at uh, UMass, uh, um, and his his younger brother, Doug Allen, uh, wrote Sugary Rising, the novel that Oh, just,
0: yeah, Jesse.
4: Yes, yes Jessie. yeah, Jesse. Yeah, I knew him as Doug. I grew up with them in East Oakland.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I just Jesse on my I had to have him on twice. I might have him on for a third time to talk about Sugary. Yeah, We talked about the female um, the characters the last time we spoke, which mm-hmm. was uh, earlier this month. Um, Although this month is still still early, <laughs> it's like the middle of it.
4: Right. Um, yeah, wow. So, so this <laughs> it was a scene, and and we just loved watching it. Along with all of the other things that we did at Oakland City College, it was it was the place to be. It was very hip. It was very um, it was a party scene, always continuously. Um, and to be 16 when I started was uh, quite a, uh, an energizing uh, moment in my life. So mm-hmm. I was paying attention to everything, and I was writing on the school paper as usual. I always wrote on school papers from junior high school on.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So I had a chance then to convince my editor, as the Janice does in the book, mm-hmm. that, to let me write about these Uh, student radicals Yeah, and that's when i went and to interview them and found out that most of them weren't students there they they were just um militants and they were activists um but but i found out that they were geniuses and they had they had degrees and you know, many of them went on to get further degrees, but it was just an interesting moment in time. However, uh, I didn't know that I was being, um, in a sense, watched or tracked, but uh, many, some years later, when I was active in the Panther Party and there was this shootout in West Oakland, I had been helping. Eldridge Cleaver with the newspaper and after the shootout when Eldridge was jailed and little Bobby was killed then Huey appointed me uh, editor in chief of the paper in Eldridge's absence
2: mm-hmm.
4: so that it was a totally total surprise mm-hmm. um, and pretty much at that moment just like in the book everything really changed you know Mhm. My my life just took a uh, hundred and eighty degree change.
0: hmm Yeah. And what about some of the uh the famous people that you um have your character um uh Geneva Anise Hightower hanging with um uh Mary Baraka and his wife, um, whom we know now as Amina, right?
4: Yes, and, uh, we were right there. We met them at the Black House. Oh, okay. That was um, He was an adjunct faculty member. Mm-hmm. We brought him on campus, and he helped us uh, get a black arts troupe started, hmm. and I was a part of that. I was pretty much the opener all the time,
2: mm-hmm. reading poetry. Mm-hmm.
4: So we traveled up and down the, the peninsula, in in and around most of the the larger cities with black populations in the Bay Area. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow. And then what about um the um uh the San Francisco State part, um where did you have did you work at San Francisco State in the um emissions? Um.
4: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs>
0: And and so and like your character is responsible for getting uh, making uh, the recommendation and that more African American students be admitted.
4: they does that, uh, that, that happen for real? Yes. Yes. <laughs> My, oh wow, wow! You know, they I, were they were going to say, "Let's try for forty students." Mm-hmm. And I explained the two percent rule, and I said. Why don't we do 400?
0: Wow, wow. So, how do you remember all this? Were you keeping a journal or something?
4: Yes, I did. Oh, okay. At the time, but about 2 years after I had graduated from San Francisco State, I by then had been married to Clarence Thomas, whom we called Buzz at the time. So, Buzz and I were married, we had this beautiful little son named Juno, and um and so I was home for a bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I started writing down all these recollections. I realized how important the era was.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And basically, in a notebook, I just wrote down every single name, every single nickname, the ways that people greeted each other, mm-hmm. which, which were totally unique. That's, that's what I was doing. I was just kind of remembering Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just notating everything that I remembered, uh, and um, and then right after that, I began writing stories. And I did have a grandiose idea about a novel at that time, but I really didn't have the the uh, the craft to write a novel at that point. Mm-hmm. But I I just shelved it, and. I kept returning to it about every decade because mm-hmm. I'd get more skills, more writing skills. But it just didn't gel for a long
5: This is the part of Chicago that doesn't get talked about. Yes. Yeah. yeah, my mom was in federal penitentiary when she took that picture. Styling on them. I
0: have a whole family here who I know needs protecting in a way that
5: they've never been protected. I'm a doctoral student organizing towards black freedom. I really want my research grounded in how we can envision what safety looks like outside of law enforcement.
4: There's been a major development in the police shooting of 22-year-old African American woman Rakiya Boyd. We
2: are committed to the pressing this war, city council, and the mayor until y'all fire your police officers. we not. You wanna be burned
5: Black women do a lot of thankless and undervalued work. We're taking
2: back our community. We're taking back our community.
3: Our entire existence is resistance.
5: This is like an exacerbated level of commitment. It's very new, this idea of this being work. This has always been life. This is...
0: Uh, That was Unapologetic, uh, Ashley O'Shea's directorial debut, and uh, hopefully this is her uh, in the studio. Good morning. Welcome to Wanda's Picks. Good morning. How are you
3: doing?
0: Oh, I'm good. Ashley, how are you?
3: I'm making it. I'm making it. (laughs) What a
0: wonderful document. Oh, my goodness. Your film is so powerful. You fit a whole lot into such a short... I mean, it's like, not short, short, but...
2: Yeah. I mean, you just
0: put so much in, like, an hour and how much? An hour and 24 minutes? or hour what 26. is? The... Yeah, yeah. But your team, I mean, you have so many, so many people. Like, people. I've never seen <laughs> this many interns before. Like, like where do they come from? Like... Oh, and you list every well, last one of them. Like,
3: whoa. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's part of the support from Cartimquin Films. But all of those interns were not specifically on Unapologetic, to be clear. you just We just have to list everyone. <laughs> oh, come okay. on. But, My yeah, I had a great team. I had a great support.
0: <laughs> yeah, and wow. And you are just such an artist with your camera. Um, oh, man, you are everywhere. Thank-
3: <laughs> I I try to I try to keep a diverse picking, stay sharp on my skills, you know, try to mm-hmm. try to go between different parts of the industry. So, always learning and always creating something new when I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you are director producer um uh based in Chicago, Illinois, whose work focuses on illuminating marginalized voices. You have collaborated with a number of national brands, including Nike, Vox, Wilson Tennis, and Dr. Martin's. Most recently, you filmed an international commercial spot for Wilson Tennis with over 1 million views in digital markets. In 2020, you captured the final episode of Dr. Martin's Tough As You series starring the band Phony PPL, accruing over 65 is that thousand K? Yes.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Views on social and web media. Your work has also appeared in a critically acclaimed lifetime uh, docu series, Surviving R. Kelly. <laughs> Although uh, you have crafted many short films, unapologetic as we already mentioned, as your first feature uh, venture into the feature world. Your first venture into the feature world. And the film premiered at the 2020 Black Star Film Festival and was shortlisted for the International Documentary Association Awards. Um, did you get it, the uh, International Association Award? We did
3: not receive it, but being shortlisted was an honor enough.
0: <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, you write a really, really wonderful um um artist statement. I was just wondering if um you could talk about the winter of twenty twelve and uh and you know, where you were and what you were up to and um and what happened and then what happened three years later and how you met um Janae uh Bonsu um and Bella
3: Boss. Yeah, yeah. Um so so, yeah, I think in my director's statement, um, you know, I talk about the the um, the killing of Rakia Boy, which was a young black woman in Chicago that was killed in 2012 by um, an off-duty police officer um, and how um, when that was occurring or when that occurred in the city at the time, I was in my, um, you know, second quarter of my freshman year at, in undergrad, and um, while I was in undergrad that was really the first time that I started to I think understand my my um, voice as an activist and as an advocate for the movement for black lives um and just really like started to gain the language to talk about um to talk about kind of how black people are being you know oppressed or or um, brutalized in in the U.S. um and so um and at the time I didn't you know, I wasn't aware of, of the case of Rekia Boyd. Um, but I think that same year, the, the killing of Trayvon Martin happened. And, and that was really, um, a kind of like a touch point for the black lives matter movement, um, and really catapulted that phrase and that, um, the theory into, into the common space. So, so yeah, fast forward three years after that in the fall of 2015, um, when I was done with school or I had just finished school and that was around the time that young black people in Chicago were continuing to organize um, around the killing of Rakia Boyd. Um, they had attempted to, um, to charge the officer via the the criminal legal system. And um, because of semantics, basically he was able to, um, it was deemed a mistrial, and He was able to avoid accountability that way so young black folks were were um kind of centering their efforts on getting him fired from the Chicago police force. Um and so I was I was at the time just I was looking um for my my voice in the in the film space in Chicago. Um but I was also really aware of of what was happening um in a lot of these different community organizing spaces or at least I was I was beginning to become aware Um, and so I began to ideate on this film, not only about the movement that was happening in Chicago, but also told from the the very specific perspective of black women, um, because that was something that I noticed almost immediately when I was, when I was observing what was happening, um, with, with the community. And so that's when I, I, I just like sent a cold email to Janae, um, because she was a leader in in one of the organizations, and um, you know, once I found out her her journey into into a PhD program and how she was only 24 years old at the time, um, that really piqued my interest immediately. Um, just to see how she was going to balance all of that, um, and then shortly after, um, there was another hallmark moment with the the killing of the tape the tape of the killing of Laquan McDonald was released in Chicago. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, oh, okay, this may be bigger than just one moment or one leader. Um, And so I met Bella not too long after that, after she, um, after one of her performances, um, and you know, it was just immediately, it was so electrifying and I was immediately um, uh, kind of drawn towards her. Um, And, of course, once I found out, about her family's long history on the west side of Chicago and in the community. Um really was excited to explore that further, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you, um, you're not a Chicago native, um, how, I mean, I know you were at Northwestern uh, University's uh, film program, and that's where you graduated, and then I presume you stayed, obviously, to make the film. Um, so I'm wondering, like, where, where did you, like, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Where are you people from?
3: Uh oh. Yeah. So you... I, um, I'm originally from Indianapolis. Um, okay. Yeah, but I went to. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Indianapolis. Um, spent all, you know, the first 18 years of my life there. Um, and was always um, in black community and uh, in, in, in really, I started to cultivate my love for filmmaking um, while I was there. Um, I, I took part in this like teen media training program um, in Indianapolis when I, was, when I was in high school. And um, that's really where I started to learn kind of like all the different roles that um, someone can have on a film set or in the film industry. And so mm-hmm. that's when I, um, so I I just kept leaning into that further and further um, to the point where I even like went to a film program at Northwestern while I was still um, in high school. And so mm-hmm. that kind of was like my first introduction to, to Northwestern and got me excited about the, the film program. And then, um, so when I was deciding on schools, that was a big, a big factor in my decision. Um, but yeah, originally from Indianapolis. Um my, my mother's side of the family's originally from Alabama. So I have a lot mm-hmm. of southern ties as well. Um, but I've been lucky enough to call Chicago home um for the past ten or so years now. So so mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of claim Chicago but they're very serious <laughs> about about who's a native and who's not. So I, I, I try to be as transparent <laughs> as, as possible about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I really really love um the storytelling um and the juxtaposition of these two um, you know, young women uh who um um who are sort of they they meet in the movement. Um mm-hmm. in a, in a way that it's really interesting how, you know, sort of like uh, the politics of blackness and freedom sort of equalize the playing field, equalize the ground, so like you know there's 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 a yeah there, theres there's uh, uh i don't know there's there's equality you know um in 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 the platform you know in a way that uh, there's no one sort of telling another person what to do i really you know that sort of really really comes across really well in the film um how everyone is equal and um and and I what I really like about it as you mentioned, um, you know, these are these are two two women and and there's a moment in, in the film because 'cause you're like you're at the protest too <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, where the police are standing and I'm like, you know, you got your camera there. Um <laughs> and there's a moment when um I think there's a narration around how black women or women, um, black women, because we're talking about black protests, don't mm-hmm. get the mic. And sister has the mic. And this guy comes along mm-hmm. and takes the mic. I'm like, what? And then he doesn't give it back. I'm like, that is such a a great moment. It is just like, enough said. Yeah. Enough
1: <laughs>
2: <Not laughs> That it's is so
1: great.
0: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh yeah I think that was something throughout um the film that we were looking to to kind of highlight um in in subtle ways uh, but also in more kind of overt ways um such as that that scene when they're when they're um at downtown chicago protesting uh, and just a visual representation i think of um what has been seen in a lot of movement spaces and in other industries as well um when it when it comes to women um kind of exerting their for their uh power and their voice um in different spaces um but still understanding that you know living in in this kind of masculine dominated society that we live in um that that's something that people that women still often have to navigate um and so that mm-hmm. that's why telling the, this film from the perspective of black women intentionally is so important um because it's really not um Necessarily, I I think uh, Bella put it really well the other day, saying that um, by us centering ourselves, that isn't necessarily saying that we are erasing Black men or men from the conversation. Because you know we we are we are strong supporters of of Black men and, and the struggles that they go through as well, and have shown up time and time again for many of the other acts of brutality that we've seen in the U.S but that it's also important that we center um, women's issues, that we center queer issues, that we center the issues of folks that are also a part of the black community, but also aren't always the ones that are being in, put in the center or issues that are being put in the center of the conversation. Um, and so that was really important to us to highlight um, so that folks can at least begin to have the conversation about, okay, what does it look like if we really, if this is really a women-led, Queer led movement um, how do we how do we remain inclusive of everyone in the black community so that all of these issues we are working towards towards breaking free from, not just necessarily those that affect one one group?
0: Mhm right, yeah and and you keep you keep coming back to that um, you know in the more intimate um, uh, settings. You know, where, you know, you have uh moments with um uh you know, with, you know, either one or the other of of the protagonist, you know, Janae, um, who, you know, you're actually there when in the classroom with her <laughs> when she's talking to her cohort about um mm-hmm. you know, so what her ideas are around her dissertation and her research, you know. Um and then you know you're with Bella, you know when she's in the studio, or she's talking to her friends, um, and just sort of reflecting on, uh, on you know uh, male female relationships and just sort of ethics around that, you know, and the values around that, like how her values might be in conflict with, you know, who she wants to be in a relationship with so what do you do with that Um, right so you know those kind of and then birthday parties and then I just love you know this where you have the women with their mothers because the generational um, and the ancestral connections to the power and to resistance is a through line and you even talk about that yourself and um, you know in your statement um i wonder if you could talk a little bit more about
3: that about legacy yeah 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 i mean i definitely um i definitely love the the way that we crafted or or portrayed the the matriarchal relationships for both bella and janae um mm-hmm. in the film i think you know that wasn't something initially that we knew would would become a staple of the film but as we started to cut it together. And, um, you know, as I started to just better understand both of their relationships with their mothers, it felt like it made perfect sense. Um, because I think not only for Janae and Bella, but for, for myself and for many other black women as well, we have those, those ancestral, like, you know, mother, grandmother, great grandmother connections that, that really influence, um you know our our lives what we what we who we become as people how we identify you know the careers that we choose um the the kind of energy and, and passion that we have for things i think a lot of times are influenced um by our matriarchs and so um you know it kind of accidentally came together but I think that, you know, seeing Janae and her mother's relationship and, and how much her mother has gained from from witnessing Janae's work, you know, can really speak to the power of like intergenerational um, conversations and how it doesn't always have to be, you know, the, the young learning from the old, but it can sometimes be the other way around. Um, and then I think for Bella, just viewing, you know, the growth in her relationship with her mother. Especially with her having been incarcerated for the first seven years of her life, you know how that can often be a challenge um, for for children of incarceration. Um, but to see the ways that that has um, blossomed, you know, since since she's been out, um, and how Bella, you know, how that's really central to the work that we see her growing towards in the film. Um, you know, I think it just again speaks to the power. Of womanhood and and really um, kind of the sources of our power and energy, um, in in organizing and in other in other spaces as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, so so true, and um, and and you mentioned um, you know sort of like wow, you know if I would have had um, you know sort of these kind of models, um, you know in my life, you know when when you were um, you know, getting getting your um, you know your advanced degrees in film. Um, you say I've always always known and felt the presence of black resistance in my life. However, the strong feminine leadership in the Chicago movement caused me to question where my history had been placed. How might my, my world have been different if I saw a young Ph.D. student or a rapper that looked like me organizing mass movement? And um, and, you know, and Bella says, you know, in one of her many wonderful poems, and that's really wonderful. Maybe you could talk about the art, you know, the poetry and the music and your team. Um, you know, she talks about how the millennials are the movement, are the new movement. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I just love that scene where she's talking about this policeman. She, what did she do? She pushed his his bike. He pushed it at her and she
2: pushed yeah, it at
1: Bella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and how she said, you know, oh we we have our bodies, you know, we can't bring a gun. Yeah. You know, into yeah. the situation, you know, cuz you know, you think about the Black Panther party for self-defense, you know, which was yeah. founded here in Oakland, California, where I'm sitting. Um, mm-hmm. And and how, you know, before Ronald Reagan changed the law, we could show up with arms. Mhm. <laughs> you know yeah. and and in some some states you you can still you know wear bare arms i don't know in what situation mm-hmm. and i don't know if that has
3: changed everywhere
0: probably yeah. hasn't um yeah
3: or if black folks would even you know whether or not it's legal or not you know what kind of bearing that has um on police that are that are seeing if a black person comes to a protest with a gun how that's different than, Mm -hmm. you know, something like we saw with with on January 6th with the insurgency on the Capitol, you know, just just understanding Mm -hmm. that has different social implications for black people versus white people, for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, how it's so quiet around that. What happened to those people that tried to overthrow the government?
3: Right. You know, outside of a few being thrown in jail and, and, and having to await trial, you know, I think in large part, you know, that... That the aftermath of that was, you know, really mild compared to even what we've seen in some of the some of the protests that are led um, by Black folks. So, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I I gave you a lot of preamble to the question. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, sorry. You
3: also asked me about art in the film. My bad. <laughs> I was going off the last foot. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. Um, So yeah, I think you know art and music and poetry were really essential to us to us cutting uh, putting the film together as well. In big in big part because Chicago, um, in Chicago, like arts and music and spoken word are integral to to the movement space, um, you know, there are many things that are not included in the film where people are um, expressing themselves in different ways um, and, and how that's allowing them to to understand a moment better, to heal from a moment better, to connect with other people in the community better um, in, in ways that, that we can't always achieve, um, uh, you know, just through through, like, I guess, sharing words with one another. Um, and so you know, with that being such a huge part of chicago's organized space and then and then on top of that bella um as this self proclaimed raptivist um it was really um no question to to have that be an element of the film, and also just the history of music in chicago is is a very a very very long history with with blues um with hip hop um just with jazz like with so many so many amazing um artists and, and, and I I think like genres have come out of Chicago and so, um, even in doing the, the composing with, with Sam Trump who's based here, um, we really we really wanted to pull out a lot of those elements, um or elevate some of those elements in, in the score of the film. Um to really help, yeah, I think to just ground it in in, in other spaces outside of organizing or within organizing um, and to also offer that as like another pathway um towards social change, like there are t- so many so many artists that that have um a desire to you know be a part of the movement or or to contribute their voice to the movement, so really just having it be kind of this backdrop that that the film exists within um I think can also be a, another kind of point of affirmation for artists um that are looking to to contribute their voice to this moment.
0: Yeah. Um well in our in our concluding moments um maybe we can have you on again with um maybe the protagonist to talk more. But I was wondering if you could talk um a little bit about about your your hopes for the work and and your team um, cuz you have a really wonderful <laughs> a wonderful um you know production team and producing team and editing team was like, because I'm sure there's a lot of your wonderful footage that did make it into the film and
3: like, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I, you know, I think one, I really hope that folks, um, the film as a way to witness black women in their power, you know, I often encourage people to not feel, like they, you know, immediately compelled that they need to do something or or go join an organization. Um, I think in big ways it's just important to to kind of be a witness to this work that happened over four and a half years. Um, but then, you know, if, if if that kind of that feeling continues, you know, I think it's important to to think about where you are at in terms of your skills and and what what talents you have um and how those can be integral in, into this movement you know for me as a filmmaker when i was seeing what was happening in chicago i although i there were more you know traditional ways that i could have gotten involved i felt like i understood this film world i understood how to pick up a camera um i saw a gap in in comprehensive media around this movement and so for me, my decision was to pick up a camera and to, to make a film about it. But that can, like I said, it can look like a PhD student. It can look like a rapper. It can look like a spoken word artist. It can look like just contributing, you know, your, your funds to the movement. So just really sitting and thinking of like, what, how can I be um, most helpful to this movement? And then looking, you know, within your community to see what organizations or groups already exist. And if they don't, you know, even if it's starting conversations with friends in your community or in your neighborhood, that can be a good just spot to start learning the language and talking through some of these these um challenges that we're experiencing as a black community. Mhm.
0: Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Uh, oh, could you gym. give uh, I, was, I was
3: like there was another part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And then uh yeah, just just shout out to um my team, Morgan Elise Johnson, my producer, and um, Ruben Daniels, my editor, um, who I would note we are we are all emerging Black creatives, um, especially at the time of the beginning of this production. Um, but I think it was really important to, to have that um, kind of shared identity because it, it helped us to move through some moments, I think, easier than it, it would have been if, if the racial makeup looked different on the team. So I was really grateful um, to have them alongside me, helping me to shape this narrative. Um, And there's so many other people that I did not list. So please um, check out the (laughs) film's website, unapologeticfilm.com, to see that full list of of great collaborators.
0: Right, yeah. And um, I believe your film um, is already out as of August, but something's happening this week yeah. um
3: yes we're we'll, we're actually premiering um we're opening in Los Angeles at the Limley Monica on Friday um mm-hmm. with Q&As on Friday and Saturday night and then um we actually just found out we're going to have a virtual one, run at the Roxy uh in San oh, Francisco sure. so Oh, yeah, right. so um if folks are up in, in SF or in the Bay, um you can check us out via the Roxy's web well if you go to our website we have it listed there as well, but um it'll be playing virtually so you can watch it watch it at home um starting on Friday as well.
0: Oh excellent, excellent. And uh I just wanna um just wanna just name your your folks again. Um, you know, we're speaking to Ashley yeah. O'Shea, director, producer. We've got Morgan Elise Johnson producer. Uh, Reuben Daniels, Jr., editor, and um, we've got Sam Trump, composer, Yvonne Welbon, um, executive producer, Uh, Gordon Quinn, executive producer, and Jolene Pender, executive producer. Um, This is a really, really, really good film. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Oh, no problem. And and one last thing, I just really, really love the way um <clears throat> you you sort of you take the microcosm and you, you place it against the macrocosm. So we're talking about, you know, these two women, Janae, um, Bansu and Bella Boz. However, their lives are are sort of um illustrative of a larger um mm-hmm. movement of of black women in 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 revolution you know freedom yeah. you know as as for our people as bella says a lot you know like i might not be mm-hmm. here you know they're from you know fred hampton you know a, mm-hmm. a country you know like he talks yeah, about absolutely. you know the revolutionary and how we need to be organized and and I might not be here, but the work will be here. And she talks about how these words, you know, this poem, you know, her life, work will be here even if she's not here to see it reach its mm-hmm. fruition. So, um, and so you you give these really wonderful graphs, you know, of 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 sort of what's going on. And the end, you sort of call the ancestors names of all of our our, our people who've been killed by police and it's just it's just really beautiful you know seeing the juxtaposition you know the mapping and and the quotes and you know you did your work really really well you know the way you put things within context so people can like you say watch these women you know come into their own but also you know see how you know this is sort of organic and how it takes the whole community you know to make change
3: Yes, absolutely, and I think your point about um, about Janae and Bella sort of being representative of of the larger movement is really important because, um, you know, for neither for neither of them has this been about um, them, you know, becoming celebrities or, or like organizing superstars in this work, um, but I think you know by seeing their growth over the over that much time that people can audience members can look at this film and really overlap or or resonate with different moments in each of their journeys um whether it's the whole thing or just or bits and pieces throughout and i think you know there's so many other other women leaders black women leaders in chicago that we weren't able to to include in the film at least at that level but are are essential and integral to the work so i just encourage people to seek out the to seek out the work that's happening in Chicago. To seek out the women that are leaders in their community, um, and and understand that that there are so many other folks who who deserve this sort of recognition um, and archiving. That it's really important that we archive our movement, our movements, and, and what's happening in our communities um, in a contemporary sense, and not just you know historically after it's all said and done. So. Mhm.
0: Right, yeah, this is just the start. Mm-hmm, yeah, totally. And, you know, and then those of us in the Bay, you know, <laughs> you know, Alicia Garza is one of us. <laughs> so, and she's still working, still moving. Exactly. You know, her book came out earlier this year.
2: You know, she's got it going
0: on and, and you can plug in. And it's really wonderful to be able to organize and be unapologetically African American, being of African descent, you know, native Absolutely. to this land. And and that's what, you know, one of the things, you know, your name, even unapologetic, like, you know, stand up, you know, claim it all. You know, this is yeah, our nation. Absolutely. We built it. <laughs> good thing you're coming out on Labor Day weekend, right? It's like, you know, black people yes. built it. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> but black, black people can rest.
0: Don't
5: don't labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> you take good care, Ashley. Looking forward to perhaps having, you know, another conversation, you know, in the future.
3: For sure. Thank you so much, Wanda.
0: You're welcome. Take good care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. Good morning. Good morning.
6: Good morning.
0: Welcome to Wanda Hello. 6. um. Hi, is this Brother Kalamu Yassalam?
6: It's Kalamu Yassalam and Asante (laughs) Salaam, my daughter. Good morning. Oh,
0: good morning. Asante, I love that name, Asante, Asante Sana. Asante Salam.
5: calling from New Orleans.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. We're glad to have both of you all with me. Um, Malik is not here, so I'm not sure if he's still going to be able to join us but I'm glad you all could to talk about sort of what's happening on the ground on the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina this past weekend and mm. and Hurricane Ida, you know, just, I guess, touching down and then leaving, and you all don't have any electricity, um, we've been told. That's true.
5: Citywide, we have started getting messages of some some sprinkles, And sprinkles as in one drop at a time, not shower sprinkles of Mm -hmm. um, electricity being restored in the metro area. We've gotten messages about two places that have power. Other than that, it's absolutely no electricity for businesses, for residences, for infrastructure, for civil infrastructure, civil infrastructure. Business and economic infrastructure, as well as residential.
6: One of the things that I want to emphasize is that many people know of New Orleans from Hurricane Katrina, and this hurricane they assume is another hurricane, but this one, this one was very, very different from Katrina. One mm-hmm. of the things that happened with Katrina is one of the levees failed, and so the city was inundated with water. We don't have that problem now. There's no water. But Hurricane Ida was extremely um, dangerous and destructive as far as wind damage goes. So what Mm -hmm. we have now is wind damage. You look outside, blue sky, Mm -hmm. but you try and drive around, and there are trees all, you know, down everywhere.
5: And we're talking
6: whole ancient
5: oak trees that have come topside down, some topside down, some sideways, with their root structure just up sideways across streets, across power lines, across houses, across fences.
6: So it's a very different um, experience Mm -hmm. from Katrina that we're suffering through now. And And a big problem is without... To be a metropolitan area and you don't have electricity is, in fact, it's worse than Katrina. During Katrina, you turn on your television, you can see images and so forth and so on. Well, right now, when the news people come down here, they can't even report. They can't send back images or what have you.
5: And mm-hmm. we're also, we have two, two components in terms of this difference. One is that without electricity, our um, access to the Internet is very spotty. For Katrina, it was the invention of texting. Before Katrina, we didn't text that much. Texting was an accessory communication. When Katrina happened, we couldn't call each other, but we could text to find out where each other was. And because we had electricity, all you had to do was get to a location. Here, no matter where you are, you could be in a fancy place. You could be in a shack. You have no electricity, which means you don't have Wi-Fi. You don't have ATM. You don't have general news. You have the Internet, and you get to see how subjective news is on the Internet because it's limited. You know, you can't select what you want to see. You just get these little clips. And the other thing, the other big difference is that Katrina was a great equalizer. When everyone is flooded, everyone has the same, has some similar experience. So even if your house wasn't personally flooded, if you are in one of those rare dry areas of town, you had personal relationship with someone who was flooded or someone who lost a family member. So we had a human equalizer across class, across race, across gender, across business, residential, power levels. Everybody had, had a, a, um, a sort of a level playing field in terms of what we were dealing with. With the wind being the damage, removing us from power, um, electric power, it means that the level of class and resourcefulness in terms of Options, Not just having money, like literally cash or money in the bank, but having options beyond the city limit, having options and connections with family members outside of the city, having options in terms of critical thinking and solution-oriented collaboration means that we have access to gas, which is powering our generator, which powers our refrigerator which powers our <laughs> charging our phones, which is our hotspots that give us Internet connection through which we're talking to you now, which gives us our portable A.C., which allows us to not be in the heat index of 103 in New Orleans in August, but it also means that in the, if I use a Katrina analogy, we were all drowning and floating in the water of Katrina, but if we had that same water analogy for for Ida, some people are in yachts with captains rowing their ships and they fully equipped and they got shades and they got water and they got, you know, clean, whatever, and they can get anywhere they want to get. Some of us are in boats with rowing capacity. Some people can fit with us, some people can't. Those yachts. Or blowing up some water on some of those boats, so the people in the boats are better than the people in the water. Then we got a lot of people in the water, and then we got people on shore who never even made it to the water. So we are every we're feeling the discord and the uh, disgruntledness, and we're on the aftermath amissness of COVID, which mm-hmm. was already had a lot of fear and unsettledness in our people's lives, you know? So if we go into communities, it looks the same, you know? Some people, <laughs> their places were still damaged from Katrina. They come up, you know, like one of my nephews said, I ain't got over Katrina yet. How you asking me how I feel about Ida? You know, so there's a lot of um,
6: unrest. Anxiety.
5: Anxiety, fear. And the fear is increased by the way news is reported. So it's better to make the optics seem crisis oriented, and it means that people are rushing around and feeling crisis. And I and I'm mindfully saying, okay, we're present. We have our faculties. We have our minds. We have our safety. We have our lives. We have each other. Let's make some thoughtful, mindful decisions. We don't have to respond to this fear and crisis that is being cultivated around us and in our society of reporting and,
6: and responding. Right. And at the same time, make no mistake, this is bad.
5: Oh, yeah. We're not implying that it's not.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: At the same time, we have wherewithal to, you know, for those of us who are black, and as you were talking about with your previous guest, unapologetically of African descent here in America, this ain't bad compared to, you know, I think Asi Davis talked about doing his own, own uh, stunts and uh, do the right thing. And somebody's like, you an old man, how you diving on the ground? And he's like, this ain't picking cotton, you know? I could, I could, you know, do a little physical discomfort or inconvenience. So I, I'm... We're very clear that bad is in proportion to people who have had it way worse than us, and mm-hmm. it is bad for what is available in our so-called first world, Western society, free country, America, land of the free, home of the brave. It ain't feeling real free and brave <laughs> for most people in New Orleans. Right. <laughs>
0: hmm yeah, wow, wow, well, thank you so much for this, um, uh, you know, um, overview of, of of sort of where you sit, literally. Um, I was wondering um, if before we, we continue, if maybe you could maybe uh, introduce each other so our audience can know, sort of like, who are we speaking to? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, my name is Kalamu Yassalam. And um, I'm a native of New Orleans. I'm seventy-four years old and I've been through buku, as we say, a whole lot of storms and hurricanes.
5: And I am Asante Salam and I am Salamu's eldest daughter, first daughter, one of five siblings, and I am a visual artist. Did I say I was 51? No, you didn't. Okay, I'm 51, and I am a visual artist and a creative consultant, and I work with some cultural organizations, and I do my own visual artwork. And we are sitting in a property um, that is owned by Ms. Rosita Richardson and her family, and my fiancé, as you can hear, the lawnmower going back and forth because the windows are open despite the heat in the rebuilding mode, cutting grass because in New Orleans grass goes fast.
6: <laughs> After fast. After every rain, you're going to have a whole lot of grass. So he's out cutting
5: grass, you know, powered by gas. So
6: yes, that's who we are. And that's, a, yeah. I might add that that's a major issue in the city right now, the lack mm-hmm. of gas um, and, and, Living in a modern metro area, there are two things that you got to have, electricity and gas. I don't care how much money you got. You ain't got no gas. You ain't got no electricity. So you get in line just like everybody else. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think about all the offshore drilling. you know, right there in the Gulf, <laughs> which New Orleans is part of the Gulf region. Um, it doesn't make well, it's sense not that there will be drilling. no... I would
6: add, yeah, I would add one thing that hmm. is not commonly known. The petro industry, the oil companies, have mm-hmm. cut canals all through southern Louisiana. So there's soil erosion going on. And whereas there used to be marshlands with with trees and what have you that would stop storms coming, uh, slamming, that slammed into Louisiana, a lot of that land is no longer there because of all of these uh, canals that have been dug to facilitate the uh, exploration of petroleum throughout the south part of Louisiana. So New Orleans... Today, in 2021, is a lot closer to the coast than it was, you know, 16 years ago with uh, Katrina and certainly many, many years ago with some of the other more famous uh, hurricanes, such as Betsy in 1965. Mm -hmm. Um, there, There are a lot of complications to talking about this and we don't have time to go through all of them, but Wanda, we really appreciate you at least introducing this to people so that they understand what you see on television is not even the tip of the iceberg. You're not, you don't really fully understand what's going on because they're not going to sit down and explain to you, well, a lot of the damage is done because of the petrol industry. You know, you're not going to see that on television.
5: Right, so we're talking about the environment and the treatment of the land and our planet Earth as much as we are talking about our neighborhoods and our people.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're, you know, we're people of African descent, so we know the land is, you know, it's it's an energy, it's a life, you know. So you think about mm-hmm. years ago, what happened to the land, and the land was awful injured. Um and mm-hmm. we wonder about those stories that you know, the land is, is continuing to have a discourse with us, you know, whether we acknowledge it or not. Um, I mean that's why, you know, the hurricanes are doing what they're doing coming off the west coast of of the continent, you know, called Africa. You know, that whole that discourse around, you know, you took you took our beloved and and you know, carried them across the oceans and they we're coming for you. You know, we think about, you know, oh, yeah, and and those stories. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I was just wondering. I'm just like, um, I, I haven't looked at any visuals, but I'm just like seeing these trees, you know, lying like so many toppled, you know, human beings because, you know, trees in certain, certain cosmology are people. Um, so, mm-hmm. we think, so like I'm mm-hmm. looking at, I'm just looking at these, 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 these failed people
6: unburied. Um, right. Thinking about- part, part of what you're seeing, part of what you're seeing, again, is not apparent if you don't understand it, but when Ida came, it was a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. It was a slow storm and the rain, the, the ground in New Orleans and in southern Louisiana, is not very deep. You go six, eight feet down, mm-hmm. you're going to hit water sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And what has happened is this ground was saturated with rain so that when the winds hit,
5: forceful winds,
6: it just it, the trees just could not stand. And that's why you, when you see these trees, uh, the images you may see, you'll see trees and the roots of the trees, because mm-hmm. the ground could not hold it together. Yeah, yeah. So what
0: are people doing who don't have gas and are not able, don't have generators and aren't able, like, if, I don't know, what I was hearing was that you all aren't going to have electricity for a long time.
6: <laughs> so, so what? So know. what? what, are the, what what's going on? We don't know what's going to happen. We do know that there are certain efforts being made um, by the city administration and state administration to, Mm -hmm. in some cases, move people, in other cases, to make uh, changes so that people can survive. For instance, the uh, SNAP program, uh, the food stamp program, was extended down here in New Orleans so that people could actually use it Use their food stamps to buy uh, hot food, uh, prepared Mm -hmm. food already, which was not the case in general for SNAP. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are things like that. So I don't want to make it seem like, one, we're helpless, and, two, that nobody is coming to the rescue. Uh, I think that there are people in the federal government who are trying to do things, and certainly the people of New Orleans are not helpless but mm-hmm. it is rough. I tell you, it is yeah. rough. And mm-hmm. the roughest part for me, personally, is uh, between midnight and 6 a.m. Because at night, you it's know, black.
2: <laughs> you can't see oh. nothing.
6: Uh huh. And, you know, you'd be surprised when, if you live in a metropolitan area, you are so used to seeing light. Even if it's in the distance mm-hmm. and when there's no light you're totally disoriented. Mm-hmm. I mean totally disoriented. And that's that's what, what happens. We were we're here and we um we're struggling, but I wanna let people know this is not an easy one. And for me yeah. those those hours between um uh midnight and 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 6 a.m those those are the roughest times you, as the yeah. ghetto boy said your mind plays tricks on you
0: yeah um malik just joined us um malik i know you don't have you only have moments um do you want to add so to the conversation
7: sorry. oh yes uh i don't know who the brother was but
6: he's absolutely that's, that's right yeah, salam. oh how are you doing my brother I'm I'm hanging on. I'm trying to. I was just trying to hold it down, make room for you.
7: Oh yes, sir, yes, sir. Cause see those
6: those hours
7: that you uh, uh was talking about from twelve to six. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh
7: man, uh, those are the roughest hours. So don't think that you're alone. You dig, but uh, as a spirit, and. Cause I don't I don't follow no basic religion, but I'm very spiritual, and I think that this happened for a reason. Sixteen years later, on the anniversary of Katrina, today here here we get hit again. I believe the Most High is trying to tell us something, and then one of the things that this showed me. More than anything else is we as a people are still ill prepared for when a disaster hit us we we were gonna know we were just a little bit better just a, a I, I mean I wouldn't even say ten percent better than when Katrina came See? we could uh, and it
6: was a different story uh, we
7: could we could have survived this i mean it it, it shouldn't be that that it's as brutal as it is upon us you know i mean uh you know there's no such thing here as a emergency disaster king. not not among blacks now the cajuns got it you see but we don't and we the ones that that is because anything happen in louisiana if a white get a cold we got pneumonia you think and so we supposed to be prepared as a community especially those who classify themselves as community leaders whether spiritually and i'm talking about all the faith base all or those who say they are community leaders we need to come together and form a strategy on how can we survive this. Because if it follows through uh, Katrina, then uh, next career. You dig? And if this do it to us and have this type of impact upon, and, uh, you know, I've got to, to say that it's much better than it was as for the government response than uh than it was doing uh Katrina. You dig but if we can't come together and overcome this, you know, I mean, uh it shouldn't be that right now we need any outside support. We should be coming together and develop the the, the, the mechanism care ourselves. I see uh, all these people running to get <clears throat> gasoline for a generator that very few of us have experience in operating. You know, that's the reason why it's killing us. They had a house up in, in uh, Harvey to burn down because of the fact that the person had the generator too close to the house. And he tried to uh, fill it up and didn't get a thanks- chance to, uh, to cool off. And it caught a fire, when we could do solar, because one thing about it, that we have right now an uh, abundance of sunlight. and
6: yeah, and with solar,
7: and with solar, that would be able to cover us. but we have to come together, We have to develop that strategy. We have to make sure that uh that that because right now, I'm sitting here with General Rico Forbes uh the former president of the republic of new africa and uh and we have uh an office in Hattiesburg, mississippi and the reason that was a hundred miles inland and every feet i mean every mile that you have of land it can absorb a, a foot of a tidal surge so, in order for a title surge to reach Hattiesburg, so title surge, you think so again? And and that's what we have to do. We have to prepare. Uh, as an organizer, I, I learned how to organize under what, the, what we used to call the five P's, and that's proper planning prevent poor performance. and we have to plan for it you know, it's not with well, us proper planning. We just got the plan and we have to come together and, and do it. You think we need to make sure that uh that especially the elderly that's sitting up in these houses right now, you think without no uh uh air conditioning, without no electricity, the little food that they have is unsoured. And there and there's not even a
6: Yeah, I would say that lives on the West Bank. I live currently at, at Ashe, and I'm now staying with my daughter on the East Bank. Ashe Cultural Arts Center. Yeah, Ashe Cultural Arts Center, and I'm on the East Bank. But through uh, one of the particularities of Louisiana and of New Orleans in particular, if you're standing on the East Bank and you want to look to the West Bank, You got to look to the east because of the river bends and curves and so that the West Bank is actually to the east of the metropolitan city. And it's but it's but it's crazy. And Malik and I have been knowing each other for I remember doing uh what's that that storm, Katrina. Malik and I would run across each other in airports and everything. Mm -hmm. Um this situation Is not going to change by itself. Malik is absolutely correct. People have to organize to make it change. Because the powers that be, the powers that be, even those politicians on the national level who want to make a change, the petroleum companies who give the politicians so much money, are not going to let them make a change. My brother, listen. Fundamental
7: change. We are the. We ought to get down on our knees. And every black uh, in southern Louisiana who have been impacted by this hurricane needs to get down on their knees and thank whoever they believe as as that spiritual uh, head. And then that Trump wasn't in office. (laughs) And then building on what? And, and building on what Malik is i if this would have happened under Trump, huh? Yes,
5: yes,
2: yes.
7: Katrina would have been a misdemeanor compared <laughs> to what we had gone through, you dig? Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The the wealthy among us, those that got the connection, they would have made out. But as for the the average poor working class black in this city. Because you got to remember, right now you dig, and we call this a, a black city, but we don't even make half of what the average white family makes. You know. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. In brother country. Malik, brother mall. Malik, this is yeah. brother Malik. This is Asante. I'm uh, Kalamu's oldest daughter. We used to pass cross paths uh, with Peter Muhammad um, Haroon, in Algiers yeah. point when you was riding your bike to and from <laughs> your yeah. uh, common ground location. And I want to highlight the organizing because it, as a, as elders, uh, folks, you uh, people don't know, as Kalamu was talking about, people don't know the stories and the work that is present in all the lives that you have lived, Kalamu has lived, and everyone y'all have worked through. We're in 2021. We need to learn and build on what our, our workers have learned from, from, for decades, for generations, and not be trying to reinvent the wheel. There are things yeah. that are timeless about organizing and working together. And it means none of us need to have our names in life or it, needs to, it doesn't need to be my credit or your credit. It's about what is for the greater good and what's going to benefit us. But like y'all have sister, been doing
7: this work We now. live in a city that... Oh, breaking up. I don't want the only but, recognition police, that you're, they're giving. Hello?
0: Yeah, we um, you Claire, were breaking up.
7: You were breaking up. Oh, try to get well, me. Uh, well, this is a city that never recognized the work that we did at Common Ground. We served over a half a million people. We did an aftermath You did, if, if, and True for that reason, fact. my <laughs> house, not, not not me, but my house, has been declared an international site of conscience. If you would go online, the International Coalition of Sites of Conscience. Right. this is the
6: only house
7: in America that is a site of conscience. You
6: know, in the city, <laughs>
7: the state and the federal government have never given us uh, not one dime. The only thing that they have done because of the work we did after Katrina was put a uh, a provocateur, and it's a TED organization, apart. all the lessons that we have learned, I mean, because you have people that are doing great work. Because uh, out of Common Ground came uh, 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 many organizations uh, that is doing uh, good work around the world. We have a uh, former Common Grounders up in Haiti. We have phone mutual kind of aid. That's all you got to do go is under the work that, that continues. But the city this city has never asked how was I able to uh to, to help that many people. Have never. How was I able to open up pro health clinics? You dig with no health experience? You did we have never. You dig they've never uh that that uh that, that Southern University honored me with the first Living Legend Award for uh, the city in response to that, toward my uh band. Toward it from in front of my house. Yeah, on uh, I, I could get credit, uh, in, in California and out the the country and globally for the work I do in the right here in this city, in in this city, no, never. They have never even accepted it. Never. And the it's you blue, know, my family, it's blue
6: skies above, hard as hell on the ground.
7: Oh yeah. That's why I could sit up here and say what we could do if we was working together. You dig? I could I could say this, you dig? Because I know what we can do. You dig? We don't need no outside help if if we was working together. But because of the thing, we our hands facing up and set our hands facing down. You dig? then this is what we look for. You dig it shouldn't be that right now we're in the situation that we are in. There's no, it's no justification. You dig? It? We should have cooling centers for our elderly and our children under this. Right now, it's 105 degrees with the heat index. 105. Wow. With no power. And I'm talking about for the poorest, for those with money you dig? They ain't worrying about no uh uh no heat. You dig 'cause they're in then
4: uh uh
7: then then uh Yeah. Uh they
2: they
7: then uh they in a position that they could uh uh board this. But for those without for those who was waiting on this first. And then here the first here the first thing came, and they can't even cash their check. They don't have nothing, and and that's the reason why people start talking about looting. They can't go to no ATM uh, machine.
6: ATM, stuff all the ATMs are not working because of no electricity. That's right. right. They can't yeah. go nowhere. So what they what, what they gonna do? They're stuck.
7: Mm. They, they can't get they can't access no food stamps. are you say any full stamps? They ain't got nothing. So why do so, you have any? Had I have a question.
0: question. Um, yeah, I have a question. So, um, like, is there are there like any mobile units going out neighborhood by neighborhood? You know, checking in on people, giving people. You know, supplies checking on the elders.
7: Do you have a like real who? question? Are you you're doing talking, it?
5: About, you're talking about you talking Wanda, about Brother Malikus? One, are you what doing do you it?
7: Right. Are you doing it here from uh from South from the Bay Area? Because if you're <laughs> not doing it, it's sure not being done here. Not on a not on a large enough scale. You mm-hmm. dig it? I rise around to the people that I know and check on yeah. them, and it's and. Listen, it's literally sad when you ride upon a, 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 and see a woman sitting in the house with three or four kids you know, and don't even have ice mm-hmm. left on a fan or an air conditioner, don't even have ice. You know, and, 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 and that should have been something that, that every center should have been giving away from day one. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Imagine how many people gonna wind up dying because of the fact that they're taking medication that's gonna sour because they have no way of keeping it refrigerated. And uh, you might say, Well, yeah, well they should have left town, but how are you gonna leave broke?
2: Right. Mhm. Yeah. And this one pay. this
6: was came up real fast. One of the things that people don't realize or can't really know, the period right before Ida hit was the weekend. So a lot mm-hmm. of stuff just was wasn't available to folks. And come Monday you look up and a similar thing happened with Katrina when the levees fell. When Katrina first hit and the levy fell, it was over the weekend. These weekends mm-hmm. are brutal. They're brutal. And, again, this is not something that's just common knowledge. But use, wherever you are, use your own imagination. What would you do if all of a sudden everything's closed Friday night and don't open up until sometime Monday? What would you do? Where would you go? How would you get help?
7: Hmm. Because I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you. And
6: Monday don't come because the electricity is off.
7: <laughs> yeah, when you,
6: you can't even tell. I'm telling you, sitting <laughs> in the dark, you forget what day it is. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, and, and for that weekend, because I'm going to tell you, my brother, that weekend didn't matter uh, to those who have spent everything for to get their school supplies for their children. This weekend, uh, last weekend, was like that Katrina weekend. They wasn't doing yeah. them but the staying home uh they wasn't out partying. They was at home waiting until the first. And got caught in a in a white system. Because right now they're in the city and don't and they still don't have the system. So the, the so open right. go there and buy ice. Yeah, you but it's from the I- <laughs>
6: From the West Bank to the East Bank, both sides of the city, it's a, it's a hard place. And and Peter Muhammad, who I'm stand at 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 his mother's place because he's here, staying here to help with his family. Peter Muhammad spent half the day. Hear me, understand full well, half of the day yesterday got up early in the morning what time you got up go around four days like we say four day in the morning <laughs> got out of here
5: he woke up at four and found the gas station he was driving around between four and six to find the gas station
6: and we the privileged ones. Oh, yes oh yes and he did Cause, uh, and, and where know, he found I the gas station.
7: that he's to, to go to Baton Rouge. you dig or he's uh, uh, to in uh, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, they have yep. to go there in you know, order to avoid these lines. But so those are the ones them, that are blessed, where, where, like where you see, my number? sister. Them the ones and that are on blessed the because way, they, transportation. Transportation. Yeah. they, they so, got transportation. Yeah. So,
0: where, so where, um, Asante? Where where did Brother Peter Muhammad? Where did he end up getting his gas? <laughs>
5: It's a long, long story, but he was on his way to Baton Rouge through the side mm-hmm. roads because the interstate had some detours, and he turned and saw an exit where they had a gas station right on the par- right before the parish line um, well, in Kenner,
2: yeah.
5: uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, towards the end of what we call Veterans Boulevard. Kenner is mm-hmm. part of the suburbs of the Metro New Orleans area. And he showed up up at a gas station that had a $25 limit and he needed $40 worth of gas minimum. He Uh showed up with a debit card because he's like, I'm going to a gas station. They pumping gas. I know the electricity works or they got a generator enough to take some, you know, money off my Mm card. They only accept in cash. He negotiated and used his goodwill. And went to the nose to buy something else to get cash return. used three transactions because they was only given twenty dollars back per transaction went to uh four about it took about four businesses between his gas sta- finding the gas station and actually getting the gas and If he didn't have mm-hmm. gas tank to fill up in addition to his car, he wouldn't have been able to fill out fill up the generator. so you need the gas tank and you need a five-gallon one to do any, you know, sustenance. And this is a Mm -hmm. poet. This brother is a poet. And he is cutting grass, doing agriculture, because he's like, wait a minute. My words ain't going to save the people (laughs) when they ain't got no power. I can plant. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, do some rebuilding. So we are artists. And if you want to talk about first responders, we are all Mm -hmm. artists all as, as um, Baba Malik said, you know, we have spiritual beliefs, not necessarily of a particular religious practice, mm-hmm. and we are from New Orleans. So our culture is our life force, bigger than electricity, and it's the thing that is keeping us alive and sustaining us until we collectively come together to have solar panels on our roofs, yeah. to have the ice distribution, to have the mobile units, to be able to live off the grid on our own, this, the, the, mm-hmm. despite whatever the government does or doesn't do for us.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, um, people who want to help, where where can they send funds? Or I'm trying to think you can't do things electronically because there's no there's no electricity yeah. so, does, so what um, what do you do
5: So, I was, I was week, you wanna answer first i I have a response yeah. after that
7: well, well, I'm gonna tell you I was tell anybody to hold tight hmm. hold tight on sending anything down especially any, any uh any money. Yeah. Because now and and you right. you won't have you won't have no place to access it but the mm. things that we do need right now we need tools
2: mm.
7: we need tools we need to, to start preparing for what's gonna happen to all of our homes that 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 have that that have water damage behind uh Ida. You dig? Because right now, under this heat, it's becoming toxic mm. because mm-hmm. that mold is developing in these homes. And right. Then we have- and it starts so with the roof.
5: Like Bible Malik that's- is talking about, part of that water damage is roofs. So if part of your roof flies off, part of the slate, or you get a hole, then the water starts leaking into the ceiling. And you got to and- cut and- that out. So you need tools no. to get the wet and damage out. You gotta repair the roofs. You gotta repair the infrastructure. So you need tools and supplies for rebuilding and renovating and excavating those damaged areas of our
7: homes. But my sister, the main thing we need to be doing now is is training people on how to do mold abatement. Mm-hmm. How to make sure that they could that they could make sure that they're not killing themselves. In the aftermath of Katrina, more people died because of that mold infestation than died during the hurricane. Nobody's talking yeah. about that. I can tell you this because I ran poor health clinics. Yeah,
0: a friend they of mine were, he, who he went down, down to volunteer. Program. He
7: yeah,
0: he died I'm from just,
7: mold. Yeah. 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 So again, that's that's what we need to be prepared start preparing for how can we make sure that that everybody understand that you need to, you dig you need to make sure that you're doing the the proper toxic abatement, mold abatement. Hmm. And by that I mean cuz you don't have a lot of them that just don't get bleach. Cuz that's the cheapest yeah. thing and, and and try to bleach away that mold and then they're putting more toxic in it with the bleach than the mold. Hmm. So we need to understand. So for people who want to
5: help, so for people who mm-hmm. want to help, like what Baba Malik is talking about, this mold mm-hmm. abatement is going to require yeah. tools. It's going incri- to require supplies. It's going to require training. It's going to require mm-hmm. information. So for people who have money, who want to contribute, people who have skills and wherewithal. <laughs> It also takes organizing outside of us, so to, to, to convene and collect to be able to connect with us when we're able to receive, so that things can come in, drive in, ship in, um, and once the power is available for us to be able to access uh, financial resources. So, it, so, so what? So what's it looking like around
0: the power? Like, what's the estimate of when the power is going to be restored?
2: Well, there's today lies, was- and then
6: there's more no lies. Mm-hmm. They don't know. Oh. They don't really know. Anybody that tells you they know when the power is coming back on is lying because nobody knows right now. They haven't even finished doing a full evaluation of what's wrong. You 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 would be surprised. You have streets. You're driving down the street. The next thing you know, there's a tree blocking you. You got to turn around. Well, they can't evaluate what to do until they get the, the streets cleaned up. Where my daughter was standing on Norman Francis Parkway, which used to be Jeff Davis Parkway, she was stand a block away from a fire station. Understand what happened when Ida hit; old tree went down in front of the fire station, blocked the whole. The whole uh, Norman Francis Parkway, and it was two days later. I don't know if it's still cleaned up yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: It's still there. We went last night. It's still there. So how you gonna, you know, talk about cleaning up, and this, power? And right. this is in front of a fire station. Understand? I'm not talking about just somebody's house. Mm-hmm. This is a fire station that in, a, in New Orleans is a city that are burn at the drop of a hat. You know, I think one of the things that needs to, people need to understand for long-term, for the long-term solution is gonna be that we have to organize ourselves uh, among, however you, however you organize, whether you're a sorority, whether you're a social aid and pleasure club, whether you uh, all went to school together, whatever. But in the long term, one solution is going to be we need to have generators and people could control because it's not going to just be New Orleans. It's going to be all over the country. And we need to be able to have the help. And one of the things that has to happen in any major area of the United States is you're going to need power. You're going to need electrical power. And if you don't have that, you're not going to get much done.
5: And if we learn from our um, studying and our folks who have been doing off-the-grid work, there's ways, as Baba Malik was talking about, to translate solar power into electrical power, and that can be mobile as well. If there is a mobile unit, if it's an RV, if it's a small house, a container on wheels, if it's a truck, those things can be powered by sun and we got plenty 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 sun in new orleans
7: so if we
5: were go ahead baba
7: if you would look at at what happened in puerto rico and how they started developing those microgrids yeah yeah, and how that helped with the recovery there it should be something that is done here you think if each one of us had a... if each fire person Had five people working with them as a disaster team, we would know. We wouldn't be guessing on the needs. We would know the needs, and we would be meeting them. We would know that uh, through our need assessment, what people need first, what people need to do. How can we prepare? uh, Listen, we have three African-American universities here. Two of them are sending their students out of state to Texas until we get this together. When it should be working in our community, if it was working in our community, we will have the workforce that is needed, and it could be compensated for by uh, uh, by by by, uh, by the, the 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 tuition grants. The tuition could be waived because of what they are doing. And and then we could start talking about helping our community. Right now we we have a police chief that said he going to prosecute everybody to the that he catch looting to the full extent of the law. You dig but not understand it cuz he say that there's no reason for them to uh, to be looting. But but uh, again if you broke, if you don't have no food, if you don't have no no uh no generator if you don't have uh no ice you and and the only way I could get it is by obtaining something uh by breaking in something. then, then they're gonna do it. You could still look around here and see how many people who have left and before they would let, uh allow a person to use that second or third car that they have parked here, you dig, right now. Yeah, I mean, cause that is parked, you dig? They ain't making them available to nobody, you dig? I mean, those who will come back. I'm. I, listen, you had churches up in uh, the Lower night Ward that took as long as seven years to, to rebuild. And this mm-hmm. is supposed to be a Christian city. So again, and you it, know, we and got... It, <laughs>
6: We got
7: to get yeah, our, the getaway. Now I'm, I'm sorry, the three, but I, the
6: three institutions, the three institutions, Malik, that you people away from here may not know, but there's Xavier University, which is the oldest Catholic university uh, that exists. There's Dillard, which is part of the network of, of uh, uh, Christian uh, universities, and there's Southern University in New Orleans. Which is part of the state network. Those are three black schools located right here in the city of New Orleans.
5: H B T U higher education.
7: But listen, I'm gonna have to jump off because Wanda, like I told you, I I, I I have to go and make my my prayer for uh for noon, but because uh, the day is the sure. day I do my noon day prayer. So I gave you okay. my first half an now because I was late. You did because I was. <laughs> Listen, Wanda, listen, when I left that sister house and seeing her Mm -hmm. and them kids sitting up in in that house, you dig, with Mm nothing, you dig, I mean, it it just blew me away, you dig, where the kids, I mean, all of them just sweat, Mm -hmm. I mean, just as sweaty as can be, you know, because of this heat, you dig, Mm -hmm. and they don't have, I mean, only fan they've got is, is cardboard. They're trying to find some shade. They, and all right, and they're going through this right now. And so watch them tonight when they're stuck up in them houses. Because they can't even buy mosquito repellent. If they got oh, to the no. sleep outside, they can't buy no By uh, Somebody giving it away. Hmm. So they have to sit wow. up. So you see them. Uh, they're gonna resort doing old the uh, old way. Old school way, burning uh rags. Dig mm-hmm. uh keeping the And and old tire. Uh-huh. So
6: put a tire yeah. in, 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 in a big yeah. tin barrel you know? and burn that. Yeah.
7: So mm-hmm. and, and but the thing about it, when you burn it and it's already hot you dig you you're adding on to the heat. Right. So, you know, I mean it's just it's just sad. Uh but uh with Wanda, I thank you for what you have done by taking the time to uh, to really find out what's happening down here. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I, that's all I can say is thank you for your effort. I I thank the the Bayview uh, newspaper. I thank uh, the Pacifica radio station out there. You dig it and all those of conscience. But uh, most of all, I'm gonna tell you, I have uh, made a call to Veterans for Peace.
2: Mm, Yes.
7: And uh, we have just organized a a Veterans for Peace chapter here. And Mm -hmm. so we are asking people to come on down to bring some food. And and, and let's take advantage of this and, and teach some of these kids, some of these essential trades. Because I'm going to tell you, before the hurricane, I mean, before Katrina, as for construction, uh, 90% of the construction was done by African Americans. Now, after uh, Katrina, and and up to right now, almost 90%, but the construction in this city is done by Latinos. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, so we are uh, even losing the ability to pass on those skills. You know, so we have to uh, get our act together because I believe this is a wake-up call. Because just like uh, Katrina happened again, we are still in the and it took for us. We still in the beginning of hurricane season, so we could be hit uh, by another one right after this one. Yeah. And with that, again, Wanda, thank you for everything. And my brother and and, and listen, my sister, I, you listen you uh, you're so blessed to have a father like you have. And uh,
5: uh, <laughs>
7: right. I already
5: know. Thank you.
7: Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 Y'all take care. And, and let's get together. Uh, Wanda, please share my number with them.
2: And, oh, certainly uh, let's
7: I will. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Peace and blessings. Yeah. Um, and um, I think earlier in our conversation, um, Asante, um, you might. I think you mentioned uh, the pandemic, or or maybe uh, you did Baba. Um, yeah. Kalam. Yes, I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, but there is a pandemic which further complicates a complicated situation and a dangerous situation.
6: Yeah. The, the 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 complication is that in order to solve these a lot of these problems, we're gonna have to get together. But getting together invites. COVID to come in. And yeah. the problem is Louisiana is number one or two, depending on what day of the, uh, of, of the year it is, of the week it is, in terms mm-hmm. of COVID. And yeah. New Orleans is number one in Louisiana. And mm-hmm. I want to also yeah. stress that this is not just when we say New Orleans, we in, in New Orleans understand that Angola parish, uh, I mean Angola prison system is part of New Orleans. The majority of people in Angola come straight out of New Orleans and they drive them up to Angola. And so this, this is a multifaceted problem. It's not something that's gonna be solved overnight, but I, I echo what Malik said. Thank you, Wanda, for, for taking the time and and want to know found on what Angola is for the people who don't know Angola, Angola prison system is the largest yes yeah, state penitentiary is the largest penitentiary system in the United States it is Angola is number 1 in the well the United States is number 1 in terms of incarceration Louisiana is number 1 in terms of uh the United States and New Orleans is number one in terms of prisoners. prisoners, and that's because the majority of prisoners in Angola, which is the state prison system, come from New Orleans. And Angola is located in a bend in the river, and you don't hear about people escaping from Angola because either you've got to go through the woods for miles or you've got to swim across that river, the Mississippi River. Ain't nobody ever swam across the Mississippi River. And and the way the, the geography is, it's got river on two sides and wooded area on two sides. You're not getting out of there. And it's built on a former
5: plantation, and it is um, a self-sustaining system, um, metropolitan, you could call it so, because they grow food, they steward um animals, they have uh, recreational activities, they have, a they have agriculture, course. they have education, they have everything internal there, and they have a plethora, a multitude of young and to elderly black men predominantly in from New Orleans who are there. And that it's about um, it's a short ride, but it's it, it's located on the border in the middle of Louisiana between Louisiana and Mississippi. Um, but Angola is very much a part of it's not part of our geography, but it is a part of our community and our family in New Orleans.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so New Orleans people think of Angola as just as part of New Orleans. They have bus rides.
5: You
0: catch the bus. Mm. The bus comes shuttle between New Orleans and, and Angola. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah, they yeah, they call the Angola the farm. And I yeah, remember right. um that a lot of the people who work there are descendants of 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 the formerly enslaved and the former owners. And they would ride horses you know, sort of indicative of of that that antebellum past um, in, you know, in patrolling the men who were working in the fields, you know, planting sugar cane, harvesting sugar cane. My father um, is a refugee from Angola State Prison, and that's why we're in California, because he left Mm -hmm. after he left there. Mm -hmm.
5: Um, The part I want to reinforce about the history of and the the training in terms of um, raising sugarcane, there's also raising of food systems. There's food growth that these men are trained to do. However, when they come out, they are not given the opportunity or the resources to translate what they learned in the prison to business, commerce, and benefit for their families and communities. We need their expertise. However, it's, there's a gap between that history, that, that cultural um, bias, that, that history of slavery and uh, being suffering with crops that is a gap between our people in Africa who brought Foods that are native to that country to this country that are part of our food, our diet, our healthy eating there's that interruption of crops and overseers and slavery is 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 a is damaging us in our current need for agriculture of having our hands in the soil and growing our own food and nourishing our bodies our families our systems with fresh produce that gives us life that is not genetically modified that it doesn't get shipped out of season you know so there there there's a there's resources that get disconnected from those those men who are trained in so many ways um, when they return to us in our communities that could be um, taken advantage of and could be beneficial to them and their reconnection to us and us and our connection to them in learning from what they know and do and were
6: able to do. And that was Asante Salam. This is Kalamu Salam. Asante is my daughter. And uh, I don't need to say a word. She takes care of business. Wanda, we thank you for the opportunity to broadcast what's going on in New Orleans. If you have any other questions, we gladly uh, respond to them. But we really appreciate you taking the time to set up uh, this interview.
0: Oh, no problem. Yeah, usually um, every year um, since uh, for 16 years I'd always do, um, um, well, not, not, 16 years back, because we were doing things face-to-face here. But we have a report back about what was going on in New Orleans, you know, post-Katrina, so the 29th doesn't roll through without me wondering or thinking. It's just this year I didn't schedule um, a radio show on the Friday preceding the 29th. Um, But, yeah, uh, my audience... Here in the bay Area is is very familiar with um the workings the political cultural um sort of what's happening in, in in New Orleans and in the region um I was wondering um you know 'cause i'm I'm a New Orleans native as well, what's going on with the schools are they shut down <laughs> and and I wondered was the electricity um outage is it is it just New Orleans proper or is
6: it everywhere it's the whole Idle metro way. area yes the okay. metro area the schools in orleans parish new orleans because the okay. parish and which mm-hmm. is the county and the city yes. are contiguous they're one in the same um mm-hmm. and we're adjacent to what's called jefferson parish on both sides of the river the west okay. west bank and the east bank and what is mm-hmm. going on in new orleans proper the mm-hmm. whole school system is now privatized there is no more orleans parish school system public Mm -hmm. public school system is privatized and that means that when you try to get things done in new orleans through the schools you got to go to each individual school
5: our charter system
6: because we have charter management organizations
5: who run um from one to more schools are campuses under their corporate offices for taking over the public schools
6: that were in the New Orleans public school system. So there's no simple way to, to, to even address the question. One or two schools might be doing one thing and another school across the street is doing something else, you know, mm. and it's, 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 this is a rough New Orleans is in many ways a Petri dish for different things that they've tried out. And without going too deep into it, geographically, New Orleans is not just at the bottom of the United States. It's in the middle of the United States. And between the Rocky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains, all the major rivers drain into the Mississippi River. So if you're in Colorado and you throw a stick in the water, or if you're in Indiana and you throw a stick in the water, don't mention Chicago, all of that flows right past New Orleans coming down here. And New Orleans geographically is the center of a lot of trade, and New Orleans also was the northernmost part of the Caribbean, and New Orleans had the connection to South America. I could go into a whole lot. of I won't go into all of that, but that's part of what makes the whole COVID question and the whole question of Ida so difficult to deal with because it's not just a national question this is really an international question when you talk about New Orleans
0: yeah Wow hmm okay so <laughs> yeah this is hecka complicated so you said um, if I'm if I'm if I'm <laughs> remembering correctly um, to just hold tight on on um, I guess learning about if where you, yeah, if you to have send resources. resources. Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Please, we, we like the time will come when the resources mm-hmm. are, can drive in, ship in, uh, mm-hmm. um, virtually arrive um, in different ways that mm-hmm. it's very important, very, very, very important for folks. Set it aside, collect and convene amongst yourselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, stand by at the ready. Uh, think mm-hmm. about what connections you can make. And as Baba Malik said, as Clem, Baba Klamu said, there, and between the two of them, they know a plethora of people <laughs> that are resources that will be distributing. Yeah. We already had conversations with some of our you know, cultural and community family leaders who are putting stuff together for elders or children or homes and how to work together. So we aren't necessarily in a place to receive things right now, but when we are, we'll be happy to be receptive.
0: Okay, cool. And so um, if I could just check back with you and just uh, um, say, okay, are you ready yet? Give me a (laughs) list.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: right. All right. Yeah, because I was just thinking, because um, Malik was mentioning, um, you know, how you could bring in the energy, um, and then I'm thinking about organizations like you mentioned, Veterans for Peace. So we get the organization if they're if they're vetted and large enough, then they know how to be safe, you know, as they come into mm-hmm. this, you know, to the vicinity where, you know, you have to be careful about your own health. Yeah.
6: Right, and yeah, I would say right now, right now, I would encourage people that want to help, help yourself wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Organize wherever you are, wherever there's a, whatever program or whatever, that'll help us in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Right. Because Wanda, if you had a check for $1,000 and you <laughs> sent it to Kalamu, ain't nothing I can do with it. There ain't no electricity <laughs> I want $1,000, but I can't do nothing with it right now. And so what Mm -hmm. we need to do is people need to help themselves wherever they are, organize wherever you are. And help people who need, who are near you.
5: There are people right near you in your vicinity and circle out from there,
6: Mm
5: -hmm. your neighbor, your family, your community. I know Mm
6: -hmm. it, it it sounds backwards. You're interviewing two people down here in New Orleans, well, three people down here in New Orleans, and everybody's mm-hmm. concerned about it because the hurricane hit, and we're telling you all to organize where you, wherever you are. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate the help, and like I say, I want that $1,000 from you, Wanda, but uh, and I can't do it. I want the
5: 10000 and the more that people have <laughs> and want to share, and mm-hmm. it's very important as a people wherever we are that we are doing what we can to help each other and help ourselves. We got to put the masks on ourselves first mm-hmm.
6: and then ripple out.
5: Right. right.
2: That's the COVID
6: mask we're talking about. We ain't talking about Zola. Yeah. We're talking about COVID. And we ain't
5: talking about airplanes because aer- airports require electricity.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's an that's an amazing amazing airport you all have that new one. Oh my goodness, I flew into it um, for the slave rebellion reenactment. Um, I guess three years ago this year.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So to think about you know about our ancestors and they're organizing you know um, under under the cover of of nighttime and how how they were you know marching for freedom. Or 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 death, you know.
6: Yeah. Well, we sure appreciate you taking the time out to do this, Wanda, and, and uh, stay strong and keep broadcasting. And we're here. <laughs> oh, certainly.
0: I ain't going right, nowhere. Cool. We got
6: more like the Mardi Gras Indians. Be right here when the morning come. I ain't gonna run.
0: <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, it's been really great, and thank you so much for. Um, you know, for introducing me to your your daughter, uh, Sante's and it's really um uh wonderful having you as a part of the conversation. Uh, a lot of times Thank you, you know for we my don't balance. have women's Thank voices. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I found I looked you up, I found a really nice um uh your art, um uh at Joan Mitchell Foundation.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. a residency I did last year or two years ago, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they I have so, a, so no, I I link, I link to is, that. Yeah, they're based in New York, but they have a center here in New Orleans.
0: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, the residency was last year, twenty twenty. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. 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 Well cool. Alrighty, well, you'll be in my thoughts and our prayers and um and you know, we are certainly um allies, so if I don't get in touch with you and you have something you want to share, you know, please feel free and I will share Malik's information with you so you all can be in direct um contact.
5: Perfect. Thank you. All right,
0: you take good care. All right. Okay, peace and blessings. Yes.
5: Yes, yes, onward.
0: hmm <laughs> Certainly.
5: <laughs> take care.
0: You too, peace and blessings ah, wow so um with that, I am going to um uh, to reflect on on these conversations we've had this this morning and um and uh see how you know we can get the word out about what's happening in uh in New Orleans. Uh, specifically in the Gulf, and, and organize here. Yeah, you take good care. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings.